Gaming History 101. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and uh, joining me from... I don't know where to say you're from. So from from point and click adventure land is Mr. Jam Elias. How you doing, sir? Oh, that was lame, Fred. I, <laughs> damn it! I had something good, but it's it's gone. Um, from uh, yeah. Anyway, joining me, uh, ashamed as always, is uh, Mr. Jam Elias. And oh, good to be here, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for tolerating me yet again. Switching things up on you. Hopefully, we'll give our guests a better opening. <laughs> yes, actually, I, I know where to where to say he's from. Officially, from DuckFeed.tv, and most importantly for our show, from the Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, we have Mr. Cole Ross. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, being able to join us on such short notice. We really fly by the seat of our pants here, but that doesn't mean... That we're necessarily uh, lowbrow or don't do our research. So, <laughs> and we've got you, so that'll definitely help us. Uh, for those not familiar with his podcast, um, one of his podcasts actually, um, uh, watch out for fireballs. Is well versed in today's topic, the point and click adventure game, uh, most notably today being horror games. So, uh, this is kind of the crossroads where Cole, uh, I would I would argue to say you're quite well versed. Um, yeah, I love horror games. Um, they, they they are definitely one of my favorite things. So I'm very happy to be here. Actually, after uh, well, thank you. Um, after uh, reading, didn't you do a post on Sweet Home? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You've got a survival horror blog, and I remember after doing that, I actually played a fan translated version of Sweet Home, which is kind of the only way you can play it if you don't know Japanese. Yeah. Um, and actually put it up on our our, our stream. So that's that's a fun mm. little game. It's very yeah. interesting. It's really great. You can you can definitely see the parallels between that and uh, Resident Evil. <clears throat> oh yes, most definitely. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Cole, we are going to be jumping into our topic in a second. Um, mm-hmm. We do usually start off with um, with some news stories, though, and I'm going to uh, lead these over to uh, Mr. Jamalias. Of course, our news stories really only reflect on stuff that's uh, kind of retro, so we get through these relatively quickly. Yeah. Well, we'll speed through these ones really easily this week. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll go kick off with uh, Donkey Kong Country is getting six entries to the virtual console um, very soon. I think start, starting, definitely starting this month. And they're kind of coming in weekly installments. Um, on the Wii U, they get, you're getting all three SNES games, uh, Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. And then on the uh, virtual console on the 3DS, you're getting the Game Boy games. I think the Donkey Kong Land, yep. am I right? That's right, thank you. Um, which are the, the, the black and white versions. Um, but if you purchase any of these games, you get, I think it's 30% off um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze that came out on the Wii U or um, Donkey Kong Returns on the 3DS, depending on whatever your preference is. Um, I mean, but as far as my aware, Fred, this is only for Europe. But I don't know if you I was going to say, this. yes, that's, that is <laughs> so, the case. Um. Yeah, so maybe it's good thing I definitely should have confirmed that before, as anything. <laughs> Got people's hopes up. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting over here, though, because the um, the SNES games were removed from the virtual console from the Wii. So they, it's, it's good that they've kind of got a re-release for anyone oh, that missed yeah. out on it first time around. So that's why it's kind of an interesting news story. 
Um, we got the Bayonetta 2 demo this week, though, and you guys have had it for like a week and a half, but uh, yeah. we're very proud of ourselves for that. <laughs> so. But then again, you guys got a Shovel Knight on the Wii U, and we still haven't got that. So <laughs> just yeah, that, that's one of those ones where I'm really mad, because um, uh, Cole, uh, Jam and I often, uh, we both have like uh, accounts for each other's regions on the PlayStation um, As you do, yeah. So he As can you. take he can take good advantage of uh, certain games that, uh, especially in the UK, where they re- universally pretty much get screwed on yeah. releases. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's able to get his hands on some games that are a little tougher to uh, to find over here. But unfortunately, Wii U still likes to be a region locked world. So yeah, mm, heavily. Yeah, yeah. I still don't understand oh. the draw of that other than conversion rates. But oh well. Yeah, they can't all be GOG. <laughs> yeah, and then um, and then moving on, uh, those ones are very quickly. Yeah, so Dragon Quest Two is now on iOS. So Square Enix is continuing their revolt of releasing actually every game that we've played <laughs> onto the iOS device. Yeah, is it like five hundred bucks like the other ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I've, well, I think over here it's fifteen pounds. So Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that means like twenty bucks over here. I'm sure. Yeah. But. Yeah, they're, yeah. Always, they're always um, marked up um, as well for the OS. So they're not particularly appealing um, for what they are. Um, but it's, but I guess what the slight draw to this is it has got the an English translation, not not like a fan translated version. It's official English translation. Um, well, we actually got Drockway two in America back way back in the day on the NES. So mm-hmm. we yeah. are we are no uh, slouches to it. Actually, I'm pleased to announce. I don't know if what platforms you guys use, but in America, it's five bucks on Google Play. <laughs> Android users. Uh, can get a perk there. Um, I don't know. Um, Jam, have you ever played Dragon Quest Two? Not Dragon Quest Two, no. Okay, I mean, I've, we knew I've it as Dragon Warrior Two, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how about you, Cole? Uh, only as a kind of historical curiosity, I kind of took a, a little bit of a tour through them, but I never, I never quite had the patience to sit through them on an emulator, you know. So I didn't play it when it was contemporary, and I kind of bounced right off of it. Oh, no, I can totally understand that. And actually, um, again, I, I, I've been kind of like, I was a huge fan of like Japanese RPGs and it's, it's slowly falling out of sync with me other than like the real classic 16 bit ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I have to say, when you look back and if you realize this predates, like this came out probably a month or two before Final Fantasy did in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's quite impressive. It was like the first of the of the games to introduce like, you know, you're only by yourself in the original Dragon Warrior and this yeah. has like a, a party system and and lots of other cool things. Plus it's Dragon Warrior, so if you die, there's not as much consequences, say a Final Fantasy game or, or various That's- other that's something I've always admired about Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior. To be honest with you, I played a I played a good deal of Dragon Warrior Seven, and uh, uh, for as inscrutable as the story and translation are, um, it is it is really kind uh, on the gameplay. So so yeah, that is something they do really really well. Yeah, you can kind of see why they had issues in Japan with like people uh, not going to school, <laughs> and that's why Dragon Quest has to release on Fridays now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, th- but kind of you're you're right, Cole. Like it's it. For a historical, you know, context, it's cool to check out on an emulator or something. Um, I'm sure it goes fine to iOS, and at five bucks, that's almost tempting. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got to really be like you've got no other. You know, you're you're in between games right now, and you're looking for something to kill the time because uh, 
You know, it's it's not a short game. Um, but every now and again, like when I think back, and uh, we were talking last night on a different podcast about uh, Final Fantasy six slash three. And that, mm-hmm. that tower run that if you screw up, you can lose hours and hours of progress. <laughs> and there's a small part of me that goes, you know what? Dragon Quest might not be so bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway. All right, Jim. What else you got? And the last one I've got, which is not that hugely interesting, but it's, um, but, well, more, more retro games are being released for the PC from publisher uh tomo i think mm-hmm. that's how you say it um so this is kind of i guess it's continuing the kind of um converting old um pc games to steam and gog still um so they they are converting some games such as sid meyer's colonization pirates gold plus and sid meyer's covert yeah covert action if we say it properly um and to release on those two platforms but they are planning quite a few more games as well to come from kind of that sort of era of pc yeah. gaming which is quite interesting. Um, I mean, it's interesting, I find, especially for GOG, because GOG recently kind of removed a lot of games as well. I and guess this deal a... may have something to do with that. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking this might be linked to. <laughs> Steam and GOG keep going back and forth with, like, uh, it, it's really kind of, like, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, and, and Cole, I'm pretty sure, given what you guys do, you're you're <laughs> acutely aware of GOG and Steam on a regular yep. basis. Um, but you kind of wonder... What some of those like high tension like meetings for drinks between the two are, um, <laughs> like with negotiations of The Witcher Three being on both platforms, you know, yeah. because CD Projekt Red kind of owns the the parent company owns GOG as well, and yeah. so they know they have to be on Steam because that would just be foolish not to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like you know they they are kind of robbing from each other. Um, I do tend to lean towards GOG more though because anything I download there, I know will work on my machine. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that, it is nice that they guarantee that. I, I have I have gotten burned a couple times um, downloading something that would not play. Yeah, like you guys, you guys are uh, especially your earliest episodes. Um, the most notable ones that I that come to mind uh, are are some very good games, but they're very difficult to get to run on modern machines, which would be mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu and uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Exactly, and they will just up and sell you Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> Even though, like unpatched, it is it is borderline unplayable. I know I tried yeah. it unpatched on a uh, <laughs> on an old PC I had. I had an old XP mm-hmm. like end of the XP line, and it it ran, but it woo, yeah, it, it ran rough. Um, and Call of Cthulhu, I cheated. Uh, a local <laughs> Mon Paw store had the Xbox version for ten bucks, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> yep, you're fine. If you can get that version, that's I, I from my understanding, that's the ideal one to play, right? Yeah, it is. If if not only because there's this weird frame rate issue in the back half that makes a timed section, um, I think impossible. Oh my god! Um, on the PC <laughs> version, without doing some kind of console stuff. So uh, gotcha. yeah, it is definitely optimized for uh, the Xbox. And by optimized, I mean can be beaten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of uh, that. Uh, I, I there are a couple of games where you read about them on Steam, and they say stuff like, "Well, yeah, it runs, but you get to this certain part, and then you either quit or you have to load this save that gets you past that part." And I think Call yeah. of Cthulhu was one of those. <laughs> yep. So, um, well, excellent. Uh, I don't think I saw any other retro stuff. Um, 
Unless you want to talk about the drug smuggling into an original Xbox. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as retro. <laughs> well, actually, sorry, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah, now it's serious. Come on. There's a, there's a breaking news story I was looking at just before the show. It's um, it on IG, and I'll link it in the chat, um, where as they basically um, – it, it, was, it, was, it was the picture was an original Xbox. I thought, oh, that might be retro. But it's a story about these drug um, – some guys were smuggling – I think it was 110 – no, one – 1100 1, grams of cocaine in an, in an original Xbox. Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything can handle it, it can be okay, the original had it, yeah. Xbox. There's room to spare. You don't want your coke to get claustrophobic. <laughs> so, it's already yeah. shaky enough. Uh, my <laughs> wife went to go move my Xbox because, uh, Cole, I have like this game room, which is, I mean, kind of imagine what you're bedroom probably looked like at 13 and (laughs) it's i've got all the consoles but since i do so many like streams and random stuff they're always kind of scattered about um uh, because i i just plug directly into like a computer to to stream and record and Mm -hmm. um and my wife went to move the xbox and she'd never like lifted it up before and so she went (laughs) into it with like uh, an improper amount of strength and just kind of felt herself getting pulled back and she was like jesus that is a heavy box i was like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was basically a a 700 megahertz PC as compact as they could make it. <laughs> yeah, like with off the shelf parts and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I think it started life as a DirectX nine box or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, so chat if people. So now, did they get busted? Sorry, I haven't read through the article. Oh, uh, arrested. Yeah. yeah, so they did get arrested. Yep. So totally busted. <laughs> turns out the Xbox, not the best drug smuggling one. But, yeah. <laughs> but Jam, anytime you want to come on over to the States and test out another retro console, you know, I'm, I'm down. I, I'm thinking the Coleco Atom would be a fantastic uh, drug smuggling device. <laughs> I thought the Philips CDI would be good because maybe you would want to take off your hands. So. <laughs> And you know what? While we're on that subject, the 3DO wastes a hell of a lot of real estate once you open that one up. Uh, I know from personal experience. Um, so lots of options. Lots of drug smuggling options. They just went cheap. <laughs> so um, actually, Cole, on one of the more recent episodes, I was joking about the fact that um, I got my hands on an Xbox copy of some more expensive game and i was really upset because i thought it was like damaged and i was relieved to find out it was just my xbox going out because it was much cheaper to replace (laughs) Uh i actually haven't priced one of those i had a i gave my xbox to my brother who uh uh, immediately killed it so i've got i've got some non-backward compatible games like what is uh what's an xbox like go for now 2030 Oh, really? Well, yeah. Yeah, 2030 with cords. Um, there are some, if you really want to, um, you know, get down to it, there's some guys on eBay who for about 40 bucks, I think they do free shipping too, which again, the pre-mentioned weight distribution is, <laughs> yeah. is a concern. Um, for 40 or 50 bucks, they'll give you one where they've replaced the laser lens, which okay. obviously yeah. is kind of like a 72 pin connector on a Nintendo. It just kind of gives it more life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and around here, like, I mean, I know you're in uh, the Cleveland area, right? I'm in Cincinnati. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. No, that's, uh, <laughs> wrong I was state. Correcting, <laughs> I was correcting for oh, uh, the, the correct state, just the other side. Oh, that's right. The other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm kind of close to you. I'm in Kansas City. Um, okay. And around here, the, the, the retro stores, there aren't many, but the handful of them we've got um, usually sell for between 20 and 30, like in the shop. So Okay. Yeah, you can get an Xbox pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then I guess without further ado, we will jump into our topic, which is point and click adventure horror games. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see with some of these games we've picked that uh, there are loose definitions. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, we were kind of talking about it before the show, uh, audience members and listeners out there on the recorded one. Uh, this is where I break the fourth wall. Um, is uh, We're going to kind of do a roundtable thing and just talk about the games we like and do discussions because that's probably the best way to do it. And chronologically, it's probably not the best for these for these games. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, guys, just as we go into this, um, we should probably piggyback the sequels if those come up. So yes. we'll, we'll, we'll go into it with that understanding. So, well, Mr. Cole Ross, being our guest, I'm going to put you in the lead. What game would you like to talk about? Well, thank you. Um, I would like to lead off uh, with I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Um, Alrighty. Nice. Yeah, because I have just recently replayed this for my show. And uh, boy, do I like this game a lot, uh, even though it's uh, it's a little bit flawed in some kind of fundamental ways that uh, uh, point-and-click adventure games from the early 90s were in terms of like, oh, not getting stuck for no reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay, so this was released in 95? Yes. Somehow I missed it. Yeah, so it was released in 95, and it actually looks and sounds really, really good Mm -hmm. um, for for, for being, like, of that vintage. Like, and it was kind of a big deal that it got re-released recently on uh, on GOG and Steam because it was kind of hard to get a hold of uh, legitimately for a little while there. Um, Do you want me to kind of, like, just give the overview for it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, we kind of intro it. So, you know, I don't know. I talked to you beforehand. I was like, well, the bullet points aren't all this or that. You can just basically pick and choose whatever you want to talk about. You can <laughs> yeah, mention the yeah. whole thing if you want, but, uh, and then we'll just yeah. go into like discussions about actually playing it. And, uh, spoilers are completely fine and on the table. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of an extension of, uh, the Harlan Ellison short story, um, of the same name. And you would think, oh, a video game version of a, of a book or a short story, that would have to be real dumb. Actually not, because Harlan Ellison was involved. Like, he wrote the scenarios, mm. and he even provided the voice for Am, uh, mm. the, the, the evil AI that's kind of at the center of it. Nice. Yeah. And so you're following, like, these, uh, these five people that Am has decided to, uh, has decided to torture, uh, kind of in the, in the bowels of the earth after, uh, after the end of the world. Uh, for 109 years. And, uh, the game, uh, you know, in the game, you kind of play, um, through these five scenarios. And each of these scenarios are, you know, kind of like custom tailored, uh, to each person with their kind of like moral and psychological shortcomings in mind. So helping them deal with things like guilt, grief, compassion, uh, any of those kind of things. Um, and all of the puzzles in most of the scenarios that you encounter, um, have, you know, one of two outcomes, either being you lean into what Am expects of you. Or you um, uh, subvert those and kind of like weaken his, I don't know, logic and wiring so that you can make your final strike on him. Interesting. Um, yeah, again, this is a very notorious game. And I know it's on GOG now. Um, uh, but, uh, but I, yeah, somehow it was during the time I was playing point and click, or on, point and click adventure on PC and I, I never did play it. So uh, it's an interesting concept, though. And I've read the short story, so. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's pretty upsetting. Like there's some there's some upsetting subject matter in there and oh, yeah. uh like a, a little bit of Harlan Ellison's kind of like retrogradeness kind of sneaks through. If anybody mm-hmm. is kind of curious about this game, uh something that we've been warning people about as we lead up to it on the show is uh one of the chapters deals heavily with uh, with the topic of rape um and is handled oh. in a, in, a, in a less in a less than tactful manner. Um Ooh. it's not exploitative or anything, but it's like, "Oh wow, this is uh, this is a really sensitive thing. And maybe that's remarkable that it was brought up in a game at all. 
Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little bit raw. Well, and for me, one of the things, and then Jam, I uh, I know you wanted to say something real quick, but one of the things that that it strikes me is um, the point and click adventure game, and you guys have discussed it many times on your show. It's kind of one of the only play, one of the only defenders we had for a long time as to plot and story and actual development, character arcs, all these things that we appreciate so much about literature and film actually, mm -hmm. you know, kind of transcend into games, but only through this one genre. Um, yep. And I felt like, you know, one of the one of the biggest things, uh, and, and so to a certain extent, the horror games were the ones that kind of pushed the, you know, kind of pushed the, the line as to what content would be acceptable, um, mm -hmm. if only because... Let's face it, horror is going to be – it is assumed exploitative. So anything yeah. that's in it is going to almost get more of a pass because no parent in the right mind would look at a game like I have no mouth and I must scream and and just go, oh, what? right, this is like Mario, right? <laughs> 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 well, you'd hope. I don't know uh, if I – I might know. be jumping it with uh, especially American parents on that one. But, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Jim, did you uh, – you've played this game, correct? I play, yeah, I played the good old game version, GOG, GOG version, if you call it. <laughs> but, um, but what's interesting is, um, I, I don't know, Cole, did you ever play the original version, Cole? Yes. So, yes, I did. Because the the original version, I don't know if you you can speak to this, but they said that that game was, you couldn't complete it because apparently there was a, a kind of like a, a censored part of the game where they make a Holocaust reference that was completely removed from the game so that you yeah. couldn't actually complete the game at all. Yeah, so that... in its original form... <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the game's, again, uh, notorious. Uh, that, that that word's going to pop up, I think, a couple times in this episode. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it was notorious because in European regions, uh, one of the one of the character scenarios, Nimdok is his name. He's a yeah. he is he's a Nazi doctor. Um, you know, who was kind of like concurrent with Mengele, right? And so his mm -hmm. entire chapter was, you know, going back, you know, and kind of like trying to you know, make him relive those things and, you know, anything relating to Nazis and, you know, swastikas and stuff is uh, forbidden banned in, in Germany. And as an extension, a lot of the European uh, territories as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, Jam, if, if the version that you got over in the UK was, uh, was kind of the, the, the Euro version that uh, had mm. that cut out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we definitely got that. So. Yeah, so it's a uh, man like that, and that chapter is especially disturbing as well, specifically because of the uh, it, it doesn't pull a lot of punches, honestly. Gotcha. Well, the game in general is very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> so my my question is, but I mean, like, is the so obviously the content wasn't handled in a very tactful way, but is it at least, um, I don't know, consistent with the tone of, first of all, Ellison's writing and then subsequently, like, the overall game? Like, does it fit? Um, it's it's actually more hopeful than the short story. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> because <laughs> because when, they're, when they were talking, you know, the, the short story is fucking... Can I, can I swear? I'm sorry. Absolutely, you can. <laughs> okay, cool. Fuck yeah, yeah, the short story is pretty fucking bleak. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and um, they, he had to lighten it up because, you know, when they were talking about developing this, he had to answer the question... You know, why is Am holding on to these people? And, you know, when he came up with a justification for like punishing them for some kind of shortcoming that they had, like it wouldn't be much of a game. It would be more of just like a depressing shit show if it was just walking them through this thing, you know, over and over again. Inherently, there is no like victory state behind that. So in trying to answer that question, why are they here? The, you know, the, 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 the answer ended up being, how can they get out? 
And so actually raising those questions and, you know, having you work through them, it actually turns into like this crazy story of uh, of redemption. Right. Mm. Which is something that pops up a little bit in Ellison, but definitely not in that story. Right. I'm guessing the uh, the it's five characters, correct? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing none of them are very uh, um, likable characters. Do they start off as as pretty, pretty bad Mm. people or is it pretty mixed? I'll let you answer that, Jim. Well, they're, they're they're kind of well. I was gonna say they've they're this the the survivor. The, we're gonna go to the bait the big backstory of this, where basically the the world has kind of ended. Or Am mm-hmm. is this big computer AI that's um, it became self aware and kind of wiped out humanity, but kept these survivors and then tortured these survivors for about sort of a hundred years or something. I think it might be a bit a little bit longer. Hundred something. There you go. <laughs> I thought you'd be. I thought you were getting exact cold. You played it more recently. So, um, and um, it's. I mean, the, it's kind of the the games really. I guess the, the the characters are kind of being tested really by Am and just kind of like a, a lot of it is really sort of Am is really kind of like experimenting with humankind. Well, kind of like the you know what what well is is there any reason to save mankind or not really? Um, but. I mean, a bit like I was saying, a bit about what we were mentioning earlier with that other character of the, the Nazi doctor, but it's, and all the characters' stories are generally quite sort of just dark and depressing. And, um, there's, I don't think there's really any good ending to this game for each character. Am I right? Or is that, from what I remember anyway, that it was all, they're all, all the roots are kind of, yeah, sort of negative. Yeah. <laughs> there's, not, there's nothing good happens to anybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, like within within each individual scenario, there's kind of the the the, the bad ending where you play into Anne's expectations, and the good yeah. one, you know, he, like nobody really comes out that far ahead in the good ones, um, but uh, like they they reach their ultimate fate in that scenario uh, on their own terms, which you know again plays plays against the, the the general hopelessness that you start out with, right? Like yeah. it's it's them reasserting control against Am, who is putting them through these morality plays, but he has a very skewed understanding of morality. And it's kind of funny because throughout the entire game, um, you, you know, each of these scenarios, there, there's stuff that comes up that's like kind of cliched or hackney or you know just kind of like real <laughs> tacky. And everybody's comment is, well, Am like is just uncreative, and that's a big part of why Am is so crazy is because they built him only for war. And he can only work towards destructive means, and he can't be creative. So he is lashing out against humanity because of that. And so that comes through in, like, this weird misunderstanding of, like, uh, uh, colloquialism. Mm-hmm. To where, like, literally, you know, one person who's, you know, a Gorister, his his campaign, um, re- you know, re- revolves around his guilt over his deceased wife. You know, he thinks he drove her to suicide. Um, and kind of his his item, the key item that he has to decide what to do with is literally the milk of human kindness, which oh, wow. Anne just put in there because he thought it was milk and uh, he, he figured it might apply to that situation. Right. Yeah. Very cool. I, I actually, while you guys were talking, I pulled it up on GOG and, uh, uh, found out I bought this, uh, this summer. Uh, so I, I should give this one a try. It does come with the short story, which I have not yeah. read that short story since high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't read it for an assignment or anything, but, uh, but, you know, much like lots of, of various authors, um, 
you know, I think I might extrapolate more meaning from it now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the game's but, dead cheap on GOG anyway. Even if you don't own it, yeah. it's, it's was it five? I grabbed it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's on Steam as well. Although I ended up having to buy it on GOG anyway um, because the Steam version would not run on my Mac. So Fantastic. oh well, six dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's five ninety nine normally, and it frequently goes on sale. Frequently on sale, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, um, but uh, uh, very cool. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to know was, and I don't know if you have hinted at it before, but is it is it nonlinear? I mean, do you really kind of do this at your own pace? Uh, it's nonlinear in that you can pick whichever scenario you want to go into um, at a, at a given time. So you do them in any order. Each scenario kind of has a has a critical path that's pretty strict. However, you know, there is some divergence in terms of which decisions you can make. And they're kind of like non-standard endings, which would be game overs, except it's like AM just pulls you out because, you know, you, you, you're done fucked up, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a convenience that uh, video games do afford. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know who put this in here. It was probably Jim, but I'm not sure. Uh, was due to come out on PS1, but it was canceled. Yep. That's right. I'm curious about that. So, That'd be interesting. <laughs> did, did you were you able to figure out uh, if or why was it just a publishing issue? Like they were like, "What are we doing? We're going to put this moral choice, heavy-handed <laughs> game in the hands I, of PS1 I love players." It. All I found out was that it, this isn't this is not official. Is that because because it, it was in the same sentence of the censorship that I think it's because okay. of the censorship that they were concerned that it wouldn't kind of pass, and because of the. Um, the fact that I don't know if it's because the fact the game couldn't be completed in some regions like Europe, <laughs> so um, I think they're just concerned that why, why bother basically. I think was what they're <laughs> thinking. Well, because for me, I'm just amused, like thinking about like the the Funko Land at the time, like walking in there and seeing like <laughs> yeah. Crash Bandicoot, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer, yeah. and <laughs> I have no mouth and I must scream for that launch lineup. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> Um, but of course, like everything else, had it actually happened, we would think nothing of it now. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think the game would have been quite stripped down on the PS One as well. I don't think it would have been as it was on the PC. Well, yeah. and we'll get to this, but the ungodly load yeah. times that would have uh, <laughs> come with it would have probably yeah. been uh, staggering. Yeah, I don't know how much longer we want to dwell on the game, um, but uh, it was actually censored and stripped down for the PC version as well. Yeah, um, there's a, there's a video um, out there that shows it's like one of those super 90s like, ha let's look here. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like the fresh looks at the hot new games uh, kind of things. And um, they, they, they alluded to and showed uh, a lot more gore and a lot more just kind of just really unsettling uh, uh, commentary about things that happen. So even what we got was kind of adulterated and compromised. Yeah. And, and am I correct that this predates the uh, rating system? I think the... Uh Rating system comes mm. out in 96. No, actually, no, I'm, think... I'm taking that back. That came out in yep. 94. So. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'm curious. Obviously, the GOG version doesn't show me a rating. Uh, I'm betting it was <laughs> mature, if anything. Um, <laughs> as these oft are, there are other games that almost don't deserve their mature rating. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I guess Gabriel Knight, too, <laughs> does have yeah. a handful of content choices that would justify it. But it has got, got some boobs in Gabriel Knight. That's true. That's true. It's uh, it's going to be one of the two games we'll talk about that uh, cross that line at about the same time with about the same creative team. So um, it's interesting how history repeats itself uh, or clones itself rather. But uh, anyway. um, all right. Well, that was uh, and, and again, like uh, not placating at all. Like uh, I am seriously con convinced to kind of try this, especially because it seems like a little bit less. 
of a, a core adventure game and a little bit more of a like a kind of like a scenario where you're making decisions. It's pretty traditional point and click adventure. Okay, honestly, okay. like I would I would recommend having a guide up because some of the puzzles are um, outright unintuitive. Okay. Um, they're, and, they're sort of uh, pixel perfect. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did see that in here in these notes. Yes. Sorry, I missed that while we were talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. Well, and again, uh, you know, I, I recently, uh, and when I say recently, I mean this week. I listened to the Gabriel Knight mystery uh, podcast you guys did, and mm-hmm. uh, you you mentioned the guide a couple of times, and I was like, oh yeah, like there's <laughs> there's no way. Um, yeah. I'm I'm feeling pretty proud of myself that I've so far gotten through most of Gabriel Knight's 20th anniversary without needing a guide, but uh, I had a lot of history on that side, so yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, then we shall uh, move on. Uh, Mr. Jam, I will leave this ball in your court. What would you like to talk about? Well, since we're talking about, um, sen- we were briefly mentioning censorship, I think we've got to go into Phantasmagoria, Fred. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about Roberta Williams. Now, I'm just curious, Cole, have you and your, uh, your co-host ever discussed the possibility of doing either of the Phantasmagoria games? No, we haven't. They're often uh, mentioned along with a giggle, kind of like those laughs that you guys just had right there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think this this kind of format we're doing here is probably the best format for these games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a special yep. place in my heart, but at the same time, their their draw kind of negates the need for a game club. <laughs> oh yeah, because uh, they are to be experienced, <laughs> not off talked about. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're explicitly um, interactive movies, right? Yeah, for, for yeah. FMV gold. Yeah, actually, I would say both of them are. Yes, they they are they are hardcore FMV uh, golden in air quotes. Um, but I I won't lie, I do have a, a strong affinity to them. Um, both games, in fact, uh, I played them yeah. when they came out too. Um, really? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, my mother did let me uh, purchase those. Although I was not a whole lot older, but at the time, I want to say I was fourteen or fifteen. Babbage's. Um, did require you to buy a mature rated game. Your parents had to buy them. So my mom had to buy me Gabriel Knight Mystery, Phantasmagoria, Phantasmagoria 2. And she was just (laughs) like, well, I saw the shit you were watching on the horror movie channel. So, okay. Um, You know, my, my mom had the, the alternative view of most parents, which was that video games weren't, didn't have any sort of influence whatsoever on a, on a person. So um, for better or for worse, I I took full advantage of that. Anyway, all right, sir. Well, you're up. Well, um, so the first, the first Phantasmagoria was released in 1995. And um, as Fred already briefly mentioned, um, it came from the King's Quest creator, Roberta Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a um, FMV game. And um, uh, I mean, this, I believe that this was only released for um, PC, at least in um, the US and Europe. But it there was is a the, Japanese, Saturn. Japanese Saturn. Oh, Saturn sorry, version. I saw that in, in parentheses. <laughs> and I have it, and it is eight discs. <laughs> and there is not Which a Japanese. Me. Yes, there's not a Japanese. <laughs> I could take a picture of all the discs. They're just <laughs> just black discs with like that little icon from the cover, and then each one has a number in blood. Um, but you know, to my surprise, uh, there were multiple Japanese stores that will sell it to you. It's not hard to find. Um, Cole, I don't know how into the import scene you are, but if you've got a, a region free Saturn, which basically just needs a pro action replay on it, um, mm-hmm. you can import Saturn and it becomes a much more valid console. Um, yeah. 
but I had to buy this out of pure just intrigue. Um, I think it was like fifteen, maybe twenty bucks, and they had all eight discs. Uh, that that owner did not probably play it, let alone lose one. Uh, <laughs> Man, Saturn boxes were already big enough. Oh my god! Well, not in Japan. In Japan, you didn't even get a box. You got a oh. plastic sleeve that had the cover art and the disc in it. <laughs> you didn't even get the CD box, which is what Jam got in uh, UK. Um, yeah, you had to buy your own casing in Japan for Saturn. So um, any person who has bought a lot of Japanese games will tell you, yeah, you basically get a sleeve with a little piece of cotton that covers the data side of it. And so I got eight sleeved things. The box was <laughs> not even the size of my checkbook. Um, <laughs> and, so, and, uh, and, and of course, the game is uh, both text and um, uh, I think it's – it's one of the many, and we'll talk about this a couple of times on the show, and i got to go boot these up to see. But I'm pretty sure Phantasmagoria was one of the ones that was English dialogue, uh, Japanese text. Okay. Um, so I imagine, yeah. That made it easier to follow, but as memory serves me, there were certain parts of Phantasmagoria where they, they didn't necessarily do scenes for everything. So sometimes things would be explained to you or quick discussions would be in text, a la Harvester and whatnot. Mm. And so I don't know. I don't believe it was very playable. Um, or it's less playable than the PC version. And once the GOG version came out, I had no reason to care. <laughs> but that game can be a bear to run in DOSBox um, if, yeah. you, if you have actual discs, which I, I do still have my PC version as well. So, but. so, so, I'm, so I'm curious. Tell me a little, about, a little bit about how it plays because I, I have it, but I have not dove into it. Uh, sure, Jam. You wanna you wanna get into uh, basically how this goes. You will see a lot of parallels to this in Gabriel Knight too. So if you want to know kind of that yeah. reference point, but yeah, I mean, what's I mean, well, with Phantasmagoria, you you it's one of those point and click adventures where you you do see your character on the screen at the time, um, and it's kind of like in a it's in a like a shrunken screen on the top of the on the top of the PC screen. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, it's kind of interesting because they kind of try and do this weird thing, don't they, Fred, with the whole, they try and merge the FMV kind of live while they're, while you're waiting for your decision. So the character's kind of like there just scratching their head or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. the, it's like the Sonic thing when he taps his foot, only it's really awkward because it's a person in front of a green screen. <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah, then, yeah. She'll check her mouse, watch yeah. forever. Uh, <laughs> you play as the, the lead as a female. Um, yeah. And, yep. uh, and she, she's got some interesting movements she does just to kill time. Every now and again, she'll like kind of kick the ground, but she's not really on ground, you know? <laughs> um, so she's, she's kind of kicking the ground, but it's like this weird digitized pre-rendered background. Um, it really is mist meets like an FMV game. It's, it's kind of yeah. interesting in that regard. Um, but the interaction is very, I mean, it is, it is direct interaction. Um, and again, I'm using this as a frame of reference because he just played it, but, uh, much like Gabriel Knight. And by yeah. just played it, I mean like two months ago, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so Jam, have you, how long has it been since you've, uh, you've played this bad boy? Well, the first one, the first one I haven't played for a long time. I, this, this is probably, oh. I did play this, um, when it was in CD ROM format, mm-hmm. um, on, on a friend's computer. Um, but with, with the, yeah, with the ridiculous amount of discs. And the best part about him is he, he actually lost one of the discs, so he couldn't finish the game. So, oh, well, <laughs> that sucks because the end of the game is kind of the redemption to all the bullshit you put up with through the front of this game. No, no, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, okay. Well, so real quick, uh, 
uh, jumping at it. And, and Cole, I was kind of laughing when you said, so, so how does this kind of run? Because at <laughs> first I thought you were asking me like, like the, the read access speeds of the disk drive because it runs pretty <laughs> damn shitty. <laughs> We're talking 1x, 2x, yeah, not 4x. Exactly. It's, uh, and, and the Saturn one does run at 1x. Uh, so oh, that's, Jesus. yeah, you click on something, you go make a sandwich and you come back and you're rewarded with 10 seconds of dialogue. Um, every, everything on the Saturn was 1x, right? That's the only drive it had. Same thing with PlayStation, which is why they were not too good with point and clicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting shot. Shining story. Uh, you yeah. guys basically purchase an old mansion like couples do. Um, and I think the guy who, the guy in it who's the husband, yeah. who kind of, again, he kind of unravels. He comes undone. Now, I, I forget though, and Jam, I don't know if you'll remember, is he the author and she's kind of his sidekick? Uh, she's, she's the author and he's the photographer. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah, he's the photographer. <laughs> so he'll oft go out and take pictures of birds and all kinds of shit. Um, and he has this really goofy outfit. Um, <laughs> and he had the long shoulder length blonde hair that he frequently puts in a ponytail, which drove me nuts because I don't know. I just hate when, when guys do kind of like the, the curl under like bun ponytail. Mm. Um, but it's probably a personal problem. Um, but I do remember the game was kind of rudimentary. It, it played very heavily like a Roberta Williams game will um, mm. on tone. So it's supposed to be creepy. You explore the house. You see some weird things. You read about yes. some interesting stuff. Yeah, there's some ghosts, some apparitional stuff. You read about things in the library as you're apt to do. And, um, and, but, but a lot of your stuff is arbitrary. Day, you know, day one is kind of getting settled in and day two is, I forget exactly what day two is all about, but I remember like day three, you go into town and, it's a little boring, to be honest with you, and you're not quite sure where this plot's going. But as your husband starts to come undone, Tez is a joker. <laughs> the scenarios get a lot better, um, and it's got this weird, like I don't know, balance. Um, as Roberta Williams, I would guess, being a woman, is probably prone to do. Um, although Jane Jensen has has proven that you know that's not always the case. Um, your your character is kind of like you know weaker compared to the husband but there's this weird like brain over brawn kind of balance that they kind of match in the game where your your mm -hmm. character's always like quick-witted compared to the husband so as he starts to become kind of more feral and more of like just a prick and and just kind of like an insane like a sociopath um you know your your ability to kind of to kind of outmatch him um you know, kind of remains consistent, but but in the end, it, it does come down to some pretty rough stuff, up to and including um, a, a rape scene. Mm -hmm. um, where, yeah, and it was kind of interesting that they do it because it's done for starters, cool. It's done tastefully. There's no nudity. Not that that adds or removes taste, but um, right, right. But and and it it is like the couple going to bed. And so it's, it's, it's a, and they're a married couple. So it's a very intimate moment where typically to have sex during that scenario would not be something you would expect to be out of the norm or anything. Right. Um, I almost think the scene starts off with her consensually starting off having sex with him. And it, it just quickly progresses a little too far. Um, think right. of like a more tasteful version of what happens in basic instinct with Michael Douglas and uh, <laughs> that therapist. Like yeah, again, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's handled well, but it was still just something that was like, like I remember being 
uncomfortable as a teenager because I just wasn't ready to deal with subject matter like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it exists, but you don't really want to lead it head on, you know, and, and especially when you see it in a game. Um, but that, oh, sorry. Even still, even still today, like that, that kind of content is more implied. Uh, mm-hmm. Like 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 in modern games, so like to actually show something, you know, approximating it on screen is a little, 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 uh, I guess, on the edge, even yeah. still by our sensibilities. Yeah. Oh yeah, and this is at the same time as you know, I have no mouth comes out. So I mean, again, it's two sides of it, but um, you know, especially when you're seeing actors acted out on 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 screen. And, you know, almost to their credit, uh, Jam can help back me up and either agree or disagree on this. Um, I do feel that the acting in this game is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's mostly because this couple are your two main characters. Um, yeah. and, and pretty much the only character, like much more so than your more ensemble cast of, of like, um, Beast Within. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but I don't know, you know, I mean, Jam, did you, did you like the, uh, the acting in this in this game. I was, I was going to say it's 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 not brilliant, but it's definitely it's better than a lot of FM. It's, yeah. it's cheese ball, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like with with the rape scene, it's it's highly effective. It's it, it makes sense. Um, it's it doesn't it doesn't break uh, when you're doing it to the point that you can become uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I think that's really the turning point, you know. And I I kind of say it's a horror esque oddball version of The Shining because that's kind of <laughs> how it it comes to a head. Um, is yeah. he goes full blown nuts <laughs> yeah. and he wants to put you in a guillotine. Um, <laughs> and, and he I, does in some, in some endings. <laughs> yes, and then is the lovely uh, chase sequences. Uh, I'm sure you love FMV. Uh, um, intense point and click adventure chase sequences. They're fantastic. <laughs> where you have to make gut check decisions about layouts you have no clue of and there is no yeah. map. Um, <laughs> and in this one, it's even worse because you have to kind of guess where he's going to be next or where he's yeah. not going to be next. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the death scenarios are just gruesome as I can get out. Yeah. <laughs> like you literally see this girl's face chopped in half in one of them with all the blood, guts, and viscera that come with it. Uh, so, uh, isn't there a scene where, like, she, where, where she dies by somebody shoveling dirt into her mouth? Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's the one where there's the demon like puts uh, his hand in her face and like rips her uh. apart, which is yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty there's, there's a lot of really messed up fail states. <laughs> I, at the I end thought Waxworks was bad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm curious to hear about that, but uh, yeah, the fail what states in this. Video, what? <laughs> There might be a YouTube video of the compilation. There probably actually. is. And, and to be oh, yeah, honest yeah. with you, that compilation may be the, uh, the uh, worth, more worthwhile than the eight to ten hours it'll take you to burn <laughs> yeah. through this game. Because your universal hidden system is like this, uh, is like this, uh, skeleton in the lower right corner. And after a while, you're like, okay, I'm done with hints. Just tell me. And like when you hit it like four or five times, he goes, pick up the skull and put it on the table. Like he's just done dealing with you. <laughs> and so I love that. So does he get noticeably irate the more the more you bother? He seems to because he's kind of ominous at first. Okay. Um, if he's not irate, he's definitely more direct. <laughs> like he he goes from hinting to telling. <laughs> yeah, it's very curt. Yeah, so there you go. It's in the chat if people want to look at it. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, see, that's what we're here for. Better living through those YouTube videos. Um, so, um, well, and then on that note, and uh, Jam, I'll, I'll kind of ta- let you take lead on this one, but uh, we we mm-hmm. come to Phantasmagoria Two: A Puzzle of Flesh. <laughs> Which now is this one, uh, named. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
this one's just released just a year later mm-hmm. as well. And it, it, what's really interesting um, about this one, I find, is that it's very different looking than the <laughs> first one because they, they take for advantage, they, they use full screen this time. Um, as opposed to you having that kind of little HUD at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, your night trap window, as I put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's still, it plays the same. I mean, you did ask earlier, Cole, sort of how does it play? I mean, to be a bit more specific, um, you do have a mouse cursor, and the, the mouse cursor will change if objects of interest. So you'll hover it around like a drawer or something, and then you'll see like an eyeball to look at it, or like a hand to move it up, you know, to pull it out or something. Um, and that's the same for Phantasmagoria 2 and 1 really um the 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 second one uh, is completely separate from the first game it is not tied at all in any way um it's a new brand new story um playing a male lead character as well but they they definitely i'm not sure if it's as gory as the first one but they definitely oh, touched is. on subject would you say so i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah i mean the <laughs> la- well the the end of the the last one adds a lot of blood and gore but there are some messed up fail states you can I was gonna go say there's through. subject matter here that's worse <laughs> now the subject matter yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah but uh and, and the other thing is and i kind of brought this up in the notes is this game um was extremely expensive and probably why you never saw another one um because they did full location shoots hollywood style as opposed to green screen backgrounds um so that and that made it a little more interactive because i think everything you do actually has an acted out scene so you can only imagine how long they spent in the studio acting out all the circumstances that can come up and especially when things go batshit crazy um (laughs) These scenes are long as well when you're talking about the... Because they, they do have long sort of FMV sequences in this one compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and as uh, and again, uh, this one was written by Lorelai Shannon. She uh, wrote King Quest, King's Quest Seven. But the bigger thing is Roberta Williams, Lorelai Shannon, and Roberta Williams... Or, sorry, Jane Jensen would all team up together for the Dagger of Amon, uh, which hmm. is where all these women kind of know each other and how they kind of branched out and all got their kind of games. Now, obviously Jane Jensen made her own way with Gabriel Knight and Lorelai didn't do too much. And I don't know really if Roberta Williams had a whole lot after Phantasmagoria, but she was a little later in her career. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so this was Lorelai's opportunity. And, uh, again, if, if that was the shining, um, this is, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, this is more of your sci-fi movie. Uh, uh, you know what? It's Think of it almost as the Jacob's Ladder thing. Yeah, I hate like, to yeah. pull that reference, but it, it works. It is a perfectly fine reference. Yeah. Because you, your character sees a lot of things that you're just like, Jesus, is that real? Yeah. That's well, an unre- unreliable narrator, right? Uh, very much so. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, the, the the way the way you treated saying the saying the JL word is that is that reference tainted just because of Silent Hill, like just that it's so kind of like overused or or, or what? Oh, you know, and and yes, uh, just so you know, we've recently done a Silent Hill game where we were mm. constantly referencing. We recently, sorry, we recently did an episode on Silent Hill three, and that's yeah, probably yeah. why I've got it in my head that I shouldn't <laughs> invoke the Almighty Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Um, and for my horror month with my wife, we just watched that two nights ago so i think it's, it's just been a lot movie. in my life you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so um but yeah i mean it, it definitely works and it tackled this is probably the one that tackled and appropriately you know for all the funny you know kind of uh, you know i joke about this as the b film of adventure games um for all the hokiness to it uh, it very appropriately and aptly uh, handles um 
that's my word for this week is aptly, um, <laughs> very appropriately handles uh, the subject matter such as fetishism, sex, um, being gay. There's, there's a yep. gay lead character in it. Um, and your character can't quite tell if he wants to have sex with him or not. <laughs> <laughs> like you, your character tackles those, those inner demons, but, um, but not in like a taboo kind of way. Like right. in a, you're really trying to figure out if you want to sleep with him or not. And it's, it's very interesting uh, as your character kind of dissects, especially early on, cause you're seeing all these fucked up things and he's kind of your best friend to reach out for. Um, there's also these hilarious um, therapist scenes where he's just, he's confused okay. and convoluted about his sexuality. <laughs> oh yes, I forgot about the therapist scenes. Where, yeah, yeah, they're a little they're a little less vague, uh, <laughs> a little more specific. Um, is his therapist Danny Aiello playing an angel chiropractor? <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely should be, but sadly okay. no. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. So, Jim, you tell me, like, I, I think of stuff like, um, I mean, a lot of people get picked off in this game. And that's kind of how yeah. the, uh, that's kind of how the uh, the plot unfolds is, you know, tell me if you've heard this one before. A bunch of people <laughs> around this guy are dying due to supernatural causes and people all think it's him. Um, I, yeah. yeah. And I, I think your girlfriend even bites it. Um uh, well, Maybe. which one are you talking about? Are you talking about the one that? You... <laughs> <'Cause this> is... <laughs> yeah, your your original first girlfriend, the girl who's in all those soft porn movie, uh, soft porn movies. <laughs> yeah. um, it was great. I'm like looking this up today on Wikipedia, and she's got a link. Well, the... and I'm like, oh, okay. So I click on the actress's link, and it goes, she is known for a bunch of soft core movies. Oh, wow. and Phantasmagoria too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, like, she is in she uh, is in the sex scene of this game where she has got. Yes, um, she does. There is nudity in a nudity, uh, yeah. kind of playful, loving sex scene. Um, it That's almost good. felt unnecessary. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like like I don't mind nudity in games. I'm not one of those people who gets squeamish about it or even cares really that much. Um, yeah. I thought, uh, you know, I I laughed kind of um, oddly when I got to the boob scene in Dante's Inferno. Um, <laughs> but this is one of those ones where because it's kind of a film i almost want to hold it somewhat to the degree of film and it doesn't even fit as like a friday the 13th boob shot like kind of sex scene like it just seems very weak to the plot but maybe it's just supposed to establish that you two are in love i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you could just like hand her you know just like like a knowing okay there's a spectrum between a knowing glance across a room and full penetration (laughs) exactly (laughs) um I don't know. It's it's just like because it does start off kind of like the darkness where you where they're just kind of sitting and having a tender moment, yeah. um, and then it progresses. But it's funny because you lose control, and I don't mean actually your character doesn't lose control, but like you lose control of the scene, and it cuts to um, it's very clear kind of like bad interlace when you go to a a, a, a scene like an actual mm-hmm. cut scene in this game, and so yeah. when it switches to that, and it's funny because it's just like her breasts and and him undressing her and stuff like that, and then it moves on, and it's like. Okay, you guys got that clip you needed. Um, you know, you can find the MOV <laughs> file, you know, in the, in the computer programming. Now we'll move on. Um, and it never really comes up again. Hmm. So, hmm. I don't know. Now there is fetishism though. There's a lot of S&M, B&D. Yep. masks. Yes. It takes some twisted directions, um, before ending up being essentially an alien story. Yeah. Really? 
Yeah, that's you where we all end up. Goes everywhere, so. Yeah, by the end of it, you just you're not even surprised. But to retell, <laughs> like, if I were to retell the plot, and I'm not going to, but if I were to sit down and retell the plot right now, like it, it, it sounds like a game you really need to get down and play. And uh, <laughs> in practice, the puzzle, you know, again, if you're going into it looking for an adventure game, you're not really going to find what you're looking for. If you're going into it, kind of the same way you would go into watching. Again, I don't know. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You might be a little closer to, like, the right mindset for it. So, mm-hmm. um, it, so anyway, it has its place. But uh, it also is known for having a ton of uh, Easter eggs. Jam, did you find a whole oh, yeah. bunch of these when you played through? There's the Batman one, which is <laughs> – um, that's the most infamous one. Yeah, why don't you there's, tell about that one? So there's a scene – going back to the infamous therapist scenes, which I think were the highlight of the game, actually, just because of just the stuff the guy would say. Because you come up with randomness like about, oh, I want to kill I want to kill Bob or something or kill the guy from work to a therapist. And the yes. therapist isn't doing anything about it. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like – Yes, like, continue. There's no sideways glances to the yeah. phone or, you know, maybe a shifting a little bit, like takes it with a stone face. <laughs> The, the Easter egg in the therapist scene is that you can click on a, I think it's just like a little blackboard in the background. If you put Batman into it, it'll do an Easter egg scene where when you leave the scene, um, a guy is literally a fat guy dressed in a Batman suit cosplay, a really bad one as <laughs> yeah. well. And he just literally, he spreads his arm out and then just leaves. It's the worst <laughs> thing you've ever seen. It's just like... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's it's it, it it's weird because the game seemingly takes itself very seriously, and then these Easter eggs are are literally like yeah, it's it, it's the stuff that you almost imagine like that you would think they would forget they had forgotten to pull them out of there and just put them in for fun, but they they're really there on purpose. So yeah, um, but it's got so, a ton of them because it's live action. You know that like in some breakdown meeting. <laughs> An associate producer said, okay, we're going to need uh, some fake blood, a gimp mask, and a Batman suit. Yes. And then a PA had to hop in his Geo Metro and go and pick up all of those. Yes, and, and, and the look on the Walgreens rep's face when he's checking out with all three of those at the same time was probably priceless. <laughs> yep. Um. <laughs> Every receipt tells a story. Yeah, very much <laughs> does. Um, yeah, because again, this is, can't you wander around the therapist room after each visit? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can look around and everything. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that you keep, it's like the one familiar well i don't know i guess a lot of the locations are reused uh, your office is definitely another one but yeah there's a it's kind of interesting where you get to have these really candid therapy sessions and then they're like oh yes yeah, so and now the therapist is going to like leave the room and you can just wander about her office for a while you know figuring it out but anyway that is Phantasmagoria 2. And not to be let down by its uh, progenitor, it was eight discs. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's longer. Long-lived GOG, where these are just... I mean, they're still sizable downloads. They're like, you know, a gig or something. But still, it was like... Oof. I think you got to point out as well, Fred, that these games are not long. <laughs> these are short. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, like, I want to say four to six hours and if you're even remotely good at adventure games you might get through it like i'll be honest with you call i don't know how well versed you are in adventure games but mm-hmm. your co-host probably burned through these mocking them as he did justifiably so um in about you know three to four hours yeah, yeah. i can see him doing that um uh, but again, when I was 15, it was kind of a weird thing. It was kind of this, this way where like games suddenly had content, um, and, and tackled subject matter, um, that, that were very interesting. And, uh, 
And Phantasmagoria, both of them, you know, to a certain extent, have that Stephen King feel where they either take in fast Phantasmagoria one, you take an eerie place and have relatively normal things happen for most of it, or Phantasmagoria two, where you take a normal place and have relatively weird things happen in that area. So yeah, but. I'm surprised they didn't continue with the series because they kind of mm. framed this one up. Like they, they kind of framed Phantasmagoria as like a bunch of disparate short horror film, you know, like like a whole series of those, right? Uh, yeah. Um, my guess is it's finances. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. get to see the actual budgets, but I would guess Phantasmagoria Two was probably one of the most expensive developed games at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to guess just venture a guess, I would say probably over $10 million for production, um, which comes with that a certain expectation. And I know the game didn't perform too well. I remember going to buy it, and the Babbage's guy was like, you're the first one. Um, so, <laughs> Did he make that noise? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, my Babbage's guy was, uh, was, was pretty elite, but at the same time, he stopped me from buying um, a Saturn at launch so maybe he was an all right guy uh which is not to dog on the saturn it's just at the time it was a scary launch console to purchase uh for a teenager um but uh but yeah he probably did and you know what i could kind of see um here cole is uh the adventure genre fans um were pretty particular and and a pretty well-versed bunch like uh they they like you know they were used to good strong plots and 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 thinking puzzles and things like that and frankly phantasmagoria doesn't have a whole lot of that yeah yeah. and so (laughs) yeah they're not hard and like see where gabriel knight you know did go fmv but it kind of makes up for it um with i would say relatively decent puzzles and definitely a strong plot um i don't think phantasmagoria has the glue to kind of hold that all together as well um, so I, I, I'm guessing it was just, uh, shunned because it, it was seen as kind of like the, the low brow point and click adventure. Um, probably explains why me as a 14 year old was like, Ooh, I'm all about this. Yeah. I yeah, can't, there's a time and, yeah, I couldn't finish a anything place for all that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you could. I just, I couldn't finish anything. And then all of a sudden I was all about this game. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah. all right. Well, <laughs> Even though I kind of co-opted that one with Jam, um, how do you guys That's feel cool, about Clock Tower? Oh, Jam hasn't played this. Okay, well. oh, no, no, it's cool, man. I've seen, I've watched some footage. Eh? Okay, yeah, Cole, yeah. have you played Clock Tower on the SNES? I've, I've played the SNES one, and I love Clock Tower Three. Ah, you know, I've never played that. I own it, but I've never played it. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is definitely a departure. It's not point and click. Okay. Um, it is more kind of akin to like a uh, Resident Evil um, in that it is 3D exploration. Um, I think that a lot of my affection for it might be uh, the fact that it led directly to Haunting Ground. Um, I have that which too. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Haunting Ground is some good, good stuff. Is it? Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's still it's still very similar. It is uh, pursuit as gameplay um, mm-hmm. insofar as each kind of stage has a uh, has somebody really menacing coming after you. And um, it was it was interesting going back to the SNES uh, version of clock tower and seeing that even there the panic mode was uh was was mm-hmm. still very much a thing oh yes yes um and you know just jumping into it um so this is developed by human entertainment the reason that's more interesting to me is they were pretty much the developers until capcom proper took over on clock tower three um so these are the guys who kind of made it um uh, the series never left japan on the snes 
Um, but there are plenty of fan translations, so you guys should have no problem playing it in English if you want to. Yeah. Um, ironically, we got Clock Tower 2 as Clock Tower 1 in America. Yes. And everybody else got Clock Tower The First Fear uh, <laughs> in 1997. And then there's a Wonderswan version, which I'm very eager to put into my uh, my PSP and see what that one's like, um, just to see the Game Boy-esque graphics of it. But uh, I could probably hold up. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was very. I played Ghosts and Goblins on the Wonder Swan recently, and I was very surprised at how good that looks. So, mm-hmm. um, so you play as Jennifer Simpson uh, in the Granite Orphanage uh, somewhere in Norway. Um, I think they do tell you specifically where you're at, but uh, I don't recall. I've, I've got the Wikipedia up. It's Ramsdalen. I, oh, I never would have pronounced that properly, so thank you for that. <laughs> I, I don't think that I pronounced it correctly either. <laughs> We're going to run with that. Pronunciation's a fun game Sounds here. With, me. <laughs> yeah, with, with a British guy and an American, there is no good pronunciation on anything. <laughs> but, I think you mean pronunciation. Oh, yeah, ahead. exactly, exactly. It has a U in it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and in this game, you basically, it's, it's really eerie from the get. Um, and it and you do play as an orphan, so you know that that feeling of not belonging is kind of ingrained from the beginning of the game, um, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't take long before you start to, you know I think the game pretty much just starts off you just start roaming the house and trying to find out which doors are locked and which ones are unlocked, yeah, um, to assist you in progressing the plot. But basically, um, as it goes on, um, people are going missing. They're dying uh the infamous mm-hmm. shower scene is one of the earliest <laughs> ones where there is no one in the shower that gets killed but rather <laughs> uh you hear a dripping which you assume is from the shower you pull aside the curtain and uh somebody's uh bloody corpse is hanging from the shower so yeah yeah um, it it starts out uh very similar to resident evil actually like a bunch of people arriving at a place and uh being windowed down one by one yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and I can't remember exactly when, um, but eventually you will come in contact at different points. And do you know, Cole, are these random encounters when Bobby shows up? Oh, the scissor man? Yeah. Um, they behave, like, it seemed random. I think he, he would show up in particular rooms, but I, I forget if he actually pursued you uh, from room to room. He would just be like a disruption that would stop you on your path to uh, actually solving the puzzles. Right, yeah. I And I can't remember if he followed you room to room. I know there were some hallway encounters, but I don't know if he just spawned in the hallway, which is why I'm thinking of that. Right. Um, but as you kind of mentioned, it's really tense when you come in contact with him. Um, yeah. You have no way to really fight. It's a point-and-click adventure, but you have to rapidly tap on, I think, the B button when mm-hmm. he kind of gets to you to kind of disarm him long enough to get the hell out of there. Um, yeah. You're so disempowered. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is... You know, to, to to my knowledge on these games, like the first game that really made a point of putting you in in the role of somebody who you know is kind of weaker than than, than what you're coming up against, right? Mm-hmm. You are playing as 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 a young woman, and I'm not saying no young women know how to defend themselves. You know, that's that 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 would be unfair. But like the assumption is that you know, like you are defenseless in this horrible situation, and that is something that you know they would take a long time to actually start bringing back into horror games you know like you go from this into resident evil and you are playing as like elite cops who are especially trained in playing moonlight sonata on the piano you know well, you're the master of unlocking like, <laughs> yes. how do you compete with that <laughs> yeah so so yeah like 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 that is that that is a big part of uh of of, of what makes this i don't know kind of like disarming um as mm-hmm. a as a horror game 
Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because I, I've talked about this on previous shows, but Bobby or the Scissor Man, rather, um, who's a lot more menacing, might I add, in in the sequel. Um, but in this one, he's got kind of like a deformed kind of look to him, or he's got weird sprouty hair or something. He's clearly a, yeah. a human, but he's kind of disheveled. Um, he's small. <laughs> he's a pretty <laughs> small guy. I think compared to your character, he's the same size or even slightly smaller than her. Um, but he's he ha- somebody's—he's somebody's malformed evil twin who was kept in the attic and fed fish heads. You got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just looking for love in all the wrong places um, <laughs> this summer. Uh. <laughs> oh my god, it writes itself. Um, but uh, it. <laughs> his gargantuan shears, though. Even out that intimidation very fast. (laughs) And uh, the first time he kills you, and he will kill you uh, at some point in playing through this game, or at least that's been my experience, um, you'll see how lethal they are. Um, And it's you almost get nervous, uh, especially as you you get nearer to the end of the game. Although, as I recall, death states weren't that big of a deal in this game. I forget. Do you recall, Cole? I don't know if you played it the, the traditional way if you use save states, but... Um... Uh, whenever I play one of these games, I'm a little bit of a little bit of a sadist. I like to see the uh, the, the death scenes well, because so much effort is put into <laughs> is is put into kind of like creating them. Like failure in horror games is interesting, right? Uh-huh. However, the, these were mostly cutaways. Like there there wasn't right. enough like real fidelity on the on the SNES, and I'm not sure it would have been like tasteful. Yeah, I'm I'm sure Nintendo got involved somewhere. They were a lot more liberal in Japan than they yeah. were in other regions, but at the same time, um there's got to be, you know, something to that. Uh but mm. um I'm trying to remember when you died, did it just did it reload a save or did it just start you off um I thought it started you off just at, just inside the room you had just died in or something. Like it kind of resets the scenario you just died in. I always reloaded a save. Okay, so, so there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, that, I, I may have seen what happened after that, but my my prevailing experience was I hit F five or whatever and went back to the last time I chose to save. Which is yeah, and that's that's probably the better way. Um, the way I do it is I actually use flashcards, which can be good and bad because um, flashcards obviously make you live within the confines of that game. But I do think. It was just save, and you mm-hmm. can you can pretty much save anywhere, um, yep. and then you would just reload your last save. But either way, um, you know the game was was pretty cool for what it was. Um, oh, I put in the notes here; it's based off of uh, uh, Dario Argento's um, entire film library, actually, uh, in certain mm-hmm. parts, but mostly uh, it's known in America as Creepers. Uh, apparently, it was yeah. phenomena in Europe. So, <laughs> are you familiar <laughs> with this movie, Jim? <laughs> I'm familiar with Creepers, but not phenomenon there. I think it's changed back. (laughs) That's the one where John Travolta gets psychic powers because of a tumor, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I believe it's the story of uh, the female orphan, right? I don't know. Cole, have you you seen uh, Creepers? No, no, I haven't. Okay. And and Jam, you said it's Creepers in in your neck of the woods? Oh, no, I think I might be thinking of a different film entirely now. <laughs> did, did Wikipedia lie to me? No. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, and I've, I've honestly not seen it either. I've seen many of Argento's films. I have not seen Creepers slash Phenomenon. But, yeah. uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, it's really great to see, to see something pulling from cinematic influences that are not uh, Romero or, um, yeah. you know, Let's just let's just go with like any number of J horror kind of things, like <laughs> yeah. to, to 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 pull from to pull from Europe like that. 
Um, I didn't know that, but now I'm really curious about going and taking a look, especially especially if his work has has kind of influenced the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah, and I guess they do. Uh, Human had a real strong connection with it. I guess in in interviews, and it's that ambiguous term of interviews. Um, mm-hmm. They would consistently reference uh, Argento, and I, I've dug his films. Um, I tend to go with uh, you know less human stories and more supernatural stories as a mm-hmm. personal preference for horror. But uh, but yes, like you said, I, I'm interested in looking at it. Um, but again, when you go back to these times and trying to imagine yourself like in '95, like myself, you know, again, yeah. this was all around that time. Mm-hmm to have this on a home console or something, you know, and again, you, you imagine it amidst your final fight three and your (laughs) street fight, super street fighter two. It's kind of funny to think about. Um, but I would have, I would have eaten a game like this up. Like I would have easily bought it when it came to America. And I'm guessing the plot points can very much be something where Nintendo was like, we're just not going to release this in America. Americans tend to be a little frantic about the content of our video games. So, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure that little debate over the ESRB had a little bit to do with it too, because this is a year after that all goes down. We we probably better lay low. Yeah. God, if they were attacking Night Trap, what the hell is this (laughs) gonna do? Yeah. So, um, uh, it's 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 great because like this game is a is a triumph for like fan translations, right? Like this one Mm -hmm. kind of rests right up there with uh with uh, Mother Three and oh gosh, Sweet Home in terms of games we had absolutely absolutely no chance of getting here that uh through people's you know dogged volunteer efforts you know we're able to like enjoy so like hats off to anybody who does that thankless job yeah yeah because it it absolutely is a thankless job but uh but many appreciate it uh, again i can't i can't stress enough how much i love the fan translation and i've i you know uh, on a couple of projects that have come up although it's never really come about i'm like if there's anything i can offer as a guy who knows no japanese and <laughs> uh has no programming information yeah. uh just let me know you know <laughs> i can be your ideas guy don't worry i'll, yeah. I'll double check everything <laughs> yeah it's like if there's any bitch work or if you just want me to play the game over and over again i can do that um but uh but yeah it's it's a very cool game um it was one of the first games i ever bought the japanese like it was one of the first super famicom games i bought at a at a retro show uh back in like the early 2000s um and i foolishly was like i wonder if i can get through it no there's absolutely (laughs) no chance to get through it um but it was it was a cool game and it does have 11 different endings yeah Um, big It has the the notorious S ending, where if you do everything perfect, uh, you can get that ending. Um, and then out of the additional endings, and if you're on the Wikipedia, I'm sure you can uh, see all the different ones. Three of those scenarios actually canonically can fit into the sequel, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, um, but uh, and then did anybody play the sequel, Clock Tower, on the PS One? No, no, nope. that's one of those ones that I saw a lot of magazine ads for, though. Yes. Yes. So the scissor so man was prominently displayed on that one. Yeah. So, um, and Jam, did you ever play it? Not the PS1 one, no. Okay. It, it basically, and Cole, if you ever get around to it, um, I'd love to see them release it on, um, PS1, like PSN. Um, yeah, that'd be great. But if you ever get around to it, it's, uh, it, it basically is kind of the 3D rendered version of, uh, of, you know, the same concepts of the first game, only it's, it's, you know, um, what's her face? Um, Jennifer. Jennifer's older. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer's older, the Scissor Man, um, which I've never beaten it, so I can't tell you if it's Bobby or not, but, uh, mm. the Scissor Man returns, um, 
and there's but there's a little bit more of the hiding aspect. In fact, I felt little twangs of it playing Alien Isolation this week, mm, <laughs> yeah. where I was like, I remember hiding in a cupboard, hoping the guy doesn't look <laughs> in there. Um, so yeah, uh, but it, it's cool. But it's definitely of its time, and it's it's kind yeah. of clunky and and things like that. But I, I'd be curious to, to to check it and see how it compares, especially if it is kind of drawing from the same well, because. Horror games kind of seem to be one of the few the few genres that that, that really benefits from extra fidelity mm-hmm. in in, ter- in terms of kind of like weaving that spell in order to manipulate your expectations <laughs> and to build tension and stuff. So like to see if they're able to do more with the more that they're given um, would be would be an, a neat little experiment. Yeah, it definitely retains its point and click adventure roots, which is ideal. Um, so that helps it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it sits somewhere in the realm of like better than alone in the dark, not as good as D if I, uh, <laughs> if I really yeah. have to place it. Um, but you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where it's at from a graphic standpoint. Um, it is a, ten- a tense game, but it's definitely one of those games where if you don't know any better, uh, especially as an American gamer who knew nothing of the roots, you pick it up and you're like, oh, I died pretty fast in that first scenario there. Uh, <laughs> maybe I just don't know how to play this game right. Maybe it's not for me. Um, and if you stick with it, it's, it's very rewarding. Uh, but it's it's quite difficult. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. All right, Mr. Cole. Well, that, that pulls us round robin to you. And I think this will be our light. Well, we're not going to have to go any faster, but this will be probably our, our last round. So Yeah. So we should probably choose uh, choose wisely. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, was, I, I wanted to bring up um, Personal Nightmare and Waxworks because those are kind of like really early and foundational ones. But I, I, I think I'll go for Uninvited because I think people have more experience with that. Um, and, uh, I think that, I think that it's probably, I'll probably have nicer things to say about it. So yeah, let's talk about uninvited. Well, I mean, just, just to throw it out there though, because I'm curious about personal nightmare and waxworks, <laughs> is there any chance we could get like the five minute abridged version? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are, uh, text adventures that have a graphical component. Um, and they are balls hard, like, okay. <laughs> picture like Sierra games without the safety rails on, if you can even fathom oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah, like personal <laughs> na- <laughs> So, and it's very much like a, uh, so, so they're developed by Horrorsoft who actually did the Elvira games, uh-huh. um, you know, for, from that uh, late night TV shock jock lady with the huge boobs. Oh, I know um, her well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that's her Elvira. Um, and, and so um, it, it actually is kind of this weird, like schlocky, tongue-in-cheek, like Oh, here's here's like a cartoon Satan, and here's you know some mutants, you know. Nice. It's it's a it's like it is a decidedly like B movie uh, style of, of of horror. Personal nightmare. I I, I have less experience with. I, I played it. I played it. I tried to beat it for uh, the hex crank article, and I ended up not being able to do it just because of the time sensitive stuff to it. Like it's even more strict than uh, than Dark Seed in that regard. Um, so I don't have that much to say about it. Waxworks. Um, it, 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 uh, does not benefit from being kind of a uh, first person maze based kind of game. So oh. the actual play and the puzzles that it has you trying to do, and, and like the, the trick of that is you're going back to these different eras in time via a wax museum. <clears throat> um, they're really interesting and you can kind of see like seeds of like, oh, here's stealth based horror and here is, uh, here's something that is akin to like resource management, survival, you know, survival horror proper, um, mm-hmm. throughout it. But it is so hindered by, um, just kind of a lack of ability to know where the hell you are and where the hell you're going. Like this is this sounds like a game I would not dream of sitting down with without graph paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is no in-game map. Like uh, right. uh, the the, clo- the closest I could probably say it navigates like wizardry. Oh, 
okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. Um, but like maze like has... wizardry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it, it, yeah, and it has uh, it has combat in it as well. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So it is first person like punch out kind of stuff where oh, you're trying wow. to click. Like, so where, where you're trying to click on vulnerable parts and also and also block. Huh. It's hmm. a huge oddity, and it frequently goes on sale on GOG for like two dollars, something all I like need that. To like, know. yeah, yeah, Tell me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, and these games are incredibly early. I think uh, I think Personal Nightmare came out in uh, like '86, and uh, Waxworks was like '89, huh. something something like that. Very cool. Um, the only reason, yeah, I was interested was, or one, one interesting question I got for you. Do you know, and maybe you're not aware of the movie, but have you, you know, the movie of the same name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I looked into it a little bit for the, uh, for the, uh, for the article and, uh, I watched trailers of it. It looks, it looks fucking crazy. Uh, Zach Galligan, uh, delivers, uh, a, a much stronger performance, uh, than Gremlins. Although I recently went to a horror <laughs> convention where he was there. Uh, cause mm. he was in Hatchet 3. So I, uh, <laughs> I got to talk to him next to Kane Hodder. And, um, yeah, he doesn't like you to bring up Waxwork. Uh, that's not, uh, th- I think that was the last movie he did before they were like, you're not cut out for this biz. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it was unfortunate for him. But, uh, wow. but yeah, it's, it's an interesting movie. It's an, it's, it's an amusing one. Uh, Cole, you'll, you'll be very amused with how they handle the Marquis de Sade. Uh, <laughs> and him as a horror villain oh yeah <laughs> yeah i can see that working uh it it, it does uh and it doesn't take itself too seriously which is how it it really is kind of gold um but uh but yeah i'm i'm now very curious to see i'm guessing it, yeah. if if it's based at all it's loosely based but um yeah but. it's also incredibly violent like uh, i would say before phantasmagoria this mm. probably carried the banner for the most uh, gratuitous violent scenes Interesting. Let's look at some screenshots. Yeah, it looks pretty sort of. I love yeah, the pixel pre- graphics for it, though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, it's, it's not an ugly game by any stretch of the imagination mm. either. It, it, it is it, it is pretty good looking. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I don't think to automatically look up screenshots, but whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, this, um, this doesn't quite. This looks a little heavier uh, than what <laughs> you're going to find in the movie uh, Waxwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Uh, color me intrigued. Um, yep. Hands down. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I asked about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, what was your uh, your quote unquote real choice? <laughs> uh, uninvited. Um, uninvited. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, which uh, came out originally for the Mac. Um, uh, kind of taking advantage of the win the windowed uh, uh, graphic, uh, the windowed GUI at the time. Um, and then I think the version that a lot of people played was the NES one uh, that kind of right. came out along in the same series, the Mac Venture series. Um, uh, along with like Shadowgate, which I think people remember a little bit more, and then Deja Vu, which I think is underrated and forgotten uh, as kind of like this noir adventure uh, before noir was like cool again. Um, I never wanted to play Deja Vu until listening to you guys' Mac Venture episode, to be honest <laughs> yep. with you. Um, I always wanted to play Uninvited, but it was harder for me to find, and of course the whole world had Shadowgate, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. But uh, but uninvited is crazy Lovecraftian. Um, it is uh, in the same you know plays just like Shadowgate does. You are um, on the NES moving the cursor around with your with your D pad, which is which is unfortunate. Um, but um, you're kind of in this you're in this mansion uh, going around and trying to solve these puzzles. Um, you know, getting kind of this hint that it was uh, owned and run by this evil sorcerer who is trying to resurrect Satan. And uh, you're kind of like going through his paces and picking up spells. 
in order to uh, kind of solve these puzzles and get to the heart of the evil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, uh, you know, again, just like Shadowgate, it's a really good point of comparison. Um, yeah. but, uh, they, they really, uh, eased up the, uh, they eased up the difficulty for the NES version because on the PC on Mac, it was, it had a, a universal time limit. So it was a certain number of moves and then you, and then you were done because of kind of the, the overwhelming presence of the sorcerer's influence here, you know, bearing mm-hmm. down on you and say like, Oh, you're getting a headache. Um, instead on the NES version, which may or may not be more cruel, there is an item that you can pick up on the second floor of the mansion called like the Ruby or whatever. And this is like the locus of the sorcerer's control. There's no reason to pick it up other than to immediately start a timer that will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you can just screw yourself. Well, um, by picking this thing up. I guess what I liked about this game, or well, I mean, this game in particular, but just the the overall feel of these games was this was the earliest version of like try everything, um, mm-hmm. and and a fail state is a commonality, at least in my opinion, for these games. Um, mm-hmm. But especially with uninvited, uh, it just yeah, it was just so. Uh, it, uh, to me, it was eerie. Um, I think most people remember. I believe it's from uh, Uninvited. The uh, is the the that that screenshot of the skull. Is that mm-hmm. the guy with the skull face? Like, is that from Uninvited or Shadowgate? Now I'm forgetting. Uh, that the, so you you could either be thinking of uh, the man that's published uh, developer loves skulls. Either the game over <laughs> screen from uh, from Shadowgate, which was the Grim Reaper, or there's a famous scene in Uninvited where uh, there is what appears to be uh, a Civil War era Southern Belle like Scarlett O'Hara um, facing the other way. But if you do anything in that room, she turns around and she's got a skeleton face. Yes, ah. I, that, that was what ah. I was. Uh, although um, looking at the screenshots here, um, it, it's funny because I was thinking of that scenario, but I was using the Grim Reaper face in my mind mm. uh, for what I saw there. But either way, um, I, yeah, it was just a very uh, heavy game um, for for the NES era. And um, and it, it definitely aged well because I still enjoyed going back to it now. Um, yeah. You know, full disclosure, I did it because of your show. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, when you guys did do those, it was just like, you know, for a while there, I was able to remain on board. And then you started getting into, like, Fallout. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> going to take some dedication to continue on with it in time for the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, this, this game was really cool. Um, and to me, it really established a lot of like, um, I don't know, a lot of the roots of, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like adventure point and click adventure gaming one oh one you know, uh, mm-hmm. not to coin the, the phrase uh, of the show, but, um, but it really was a good intro to like trying everything with everything, getting used to failing and, 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 and being, I don't know, you almost seem to get encouraged at a certain point to, to just go, well, fuck it. Let's see what this does. Yeah. Um, and the fail states are great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, the, the skeleton with the with the halberd who uh, kills you after opening oh, the cage in the in uh, the attic. Yes. Um, <laughs> something that this game does that uh, that, that uh, like a lot of other uh, adventure games kind of uh, worked their way out of. Um, in most adventure games, at least in the early '90s, you really couldn't pick up anything that didn't do anything. Like mm-hmm. everything kind of had a purpose. You just had to go around and find it. However, in Uninvited and, uh, and in Deja Vu, you had like towel one, towel two, towel three, <laughs> bottle one, bottle two. <laughs> like there was so much item chaff to like, uh, throw to, you know, to, to kind of throw a wrench in the works of trying to rub everything together with everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I think that that, you know, kind of forced a little bit more of a, like a, like a more considered play. 
Right. I will say, and I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, I think it's best to go into this without using a guide. Just sit down, spread some time, and <laughs> get ready for an interesting yeah. ride. <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can scum it with save states. Like if you are, you know, before, before doing anything, just quick save and go along like right. that, that takes, that takes a good deal of the friction out of it while still, while still giving you uh, the, the, the benefit of go, you know, finding everything on your own. Well, and I still don't understand why a lot of people consider that quote unquote cheating. I understand the games didn't have that built in, but you know, I recently played through fear on, mm-hmm. uh, on the PC and there's a quick save option. And that's what I do every time. Like I'd enter yeah. into a room and before I actually went in there guns a blazing, I'd just quick save. It, it's the yeah. same thing as save states. Yeah. Um, yep. They can be as, as good, uh, as much cheating or as little cheating as you let them be. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, Jam, I'm sorry, you didn't chime in. Did you, have you played this? Have you played any no, of these no, games? No, 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 no. I've not played this, but okay. I'm interested in hearing about it. It's, uh... Yeah, the obviously a NES version would probably be a little harder for you guys out there. Or is the NES like cheap now? No, okay. <laughs> over here. Um, Cole, gold you... bars are cheaper than an NES over here. <laughs> Cole, do you know a better way to uh, or any good way to play the PC version? No, no. Like the PC version was like old old Mac, um, and I would yeah. recommend if you're going to do it. Um, if you if you do end up emulating it, emulate the NES version uh, because of the soundtrack. Oh yeah, you know, like the the original the original Mac, and I know I, th- I think there was an Amiga port, but I don't know how good it was. I can't speak to it, but the but the Mac version did not have any uh, did not have the soundtrack, which across all of those Mac Venture games are universally really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jam, from what we know, um, oh yep, of course there was an Amiga version of it. Uh, <laughs> And it looks slightly better than the NES in terms of graphics, but uh, I am curious. Um, let me find out real quick how it holds up from a soundtrack standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, mm. you might want to check it out, Jam, um, but you're going to have to uh, uh, use it your own risk. Of course, as we see time and time again, those that played it on the Amiga think it's the greatest port that's ever existed in the history of time. And how dare you suggest that there would be a better port out there. Um, we'll get the hate mail next week. You know, to be fair, though, the Amiga did some impressive ports. But yeah. Hey, uh, I, I had a friend down the street who had an Amiga, actually, weirdly enough, for America and also even yeah. weirder for suburban Ohio. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I had some great time playing great times playing an Amiga. I, I am not prejudiced against the Amiga or any of your crazy uh, British boxes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're called, right, Brit boxes? Well, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get offended. So I think that's what that they're about so to be called. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I always just love seeing the Amiga ports because they're either like, heavily close to the originals or they're heavily compromised for the weirdest reasons mm. uh like ghosts and goblins has no music uh, unless you had a ton of ra- uh, ram mm. uh but it looks like arcade perfect almost <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh mortal Kombat was another one somebody showed me an amiga version of mortal Kombat. uh I even know existed. <laughs> yeah i tend to be quite a fan of uh of stuff and, and cole i do a video series where i play all the different versions of home console games Oh, nice. And I did one for Mortal Kombat, and of course, the first mail I get is, where's the Amiga version? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in America. (laughs) Please. (laughs) But, uh, yes, and I have no idea how to switch Amiga's uh, VGA output to, uh, 
to to s video or anything but uh but i'll work on it uh but yeah. i did look it up and the amiga port of mortal Kombat not too shabby probably the best yeah. of the home console <laughs> versions so wow yeah yeah that's well worth going and finding one to buy uh <laughs> For that Just near arcade perfect version of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, but um it's keyboard controls. <laughs> uh yes, and, and how can you go wrong with keyboard controls? Uh but uh all right. Well, Mr. Jam, you have uh, an opportunity to pick your your closer. Well, I'll choose this one because I know Fallen Card will will like it if I do, because I did mention it on Twitter earlier, and that's um Ripper. Um, okay oh well real quick i'm gonna give you the same opportunity i gave cole if you want to do a five minute version of one of these other games feel free i will oh sure yeah yeah that, no, I'll do that, that would be cool well i might just like split two into into short bursts there's not really much to say about ripper because it's quite similar to phantasmagoria but um Harvest you've got 20 one. minutes okay um harvester as well is a good one worth mentioning i think um i'm surprised you haven't played that fred because i thought you had that on steam <laughs> i do have it and i went to go <laughs> yeah. play it one day and uh i was having streaming problems which i fixed and now yeah. i just want to get back into it because this game just looks so up my alley <laughs> i think it's definitely your sort of game um it's again well harvester's um fmv again um but it's it, I think it does things quite different in this one because it it does have the point and click aspects to it, but it's sort of halfway through. Have you, have you played this, Cole? No, Obviously. no, I have not. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, you, this was released in 1996, and it's actually now available on Steam. I think it's available on GOG as well. Yeah, it was um, there first, but it's on yeah, Steam yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, it's always available both. But um, the game the game is very. I mean, well, the, the box art's brilliant. It's like these kind of like Grim Reaper kind of people. Mm. <laughs> it's just like. Um, <laughs> Like at a harp. gas station and it says harvester and yeah. blood it's fantastic <laughs> and then you play the game and it doesn't really it's not when you when you first play it at least your first impression of the game is not what the box kind of implies at all right um, so you wait you basically play as a character who's kind of like got amnesia and you just wake up and there's something very unusual you're basically in like an un, like an isolated town and everybody's acting very weirdly and there's obviously something going on as you play the game obviously you find out what's really going on but i'm not going to spoil it because I, 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 I kind of want fred to play it <laughs> so, see what, so um but what i will say though fred is um that it's um, it kind of merges from um kind of point and click but late, later on in the game it does move into kind of action territory where you are actually kind of you have to do kind of um you know, use actually weapons to fight enemies so it almost like changes the gameplay style entirely in a way but but still keeping kind of um um point and click aspects to it in a way um actually i, I read earlier on an article about it it kind of almost turns into a survival horror game i was gonna uh, say i hear that there's three parts to the game and the third yeah. part gets very combat heavy yeah yeah, so it sort of turns out, and it was just in a way, it's a shame that that happens because I think the it's almost better when it is more just kind of um, eases off, and you're just talking to people, solving puzzles. The puzzles that I've played in this game aren't particularly difficult. Um, it's pretty sort of it's pretty straightforward game, but no, nope, this that, is for the Phantasmagoria crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the best part about this game is it, it's um, it, the 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 kind of the plot and the overall kind of arcing story of this is just so 
so different for the time. The whole overwrite, this is not really a spoiler, but it's all kind of um, based off like, is the media what makes people violent? So, and I know that's a topic that Fred very much enjoys mm. talking about on yes. TH101 now and then. Um, but it's, and it, it kind of, that's one of the main sort of themes of the game itself. It's interesting how they explore it, especially because the game does get very gory <laughs> later. So. Um, Just tell me the twist for chapter three or part three is not that he like jumps into the TV screen, becomes part of a <laughs> video game and starts killing people <laughs> <laughs> and then like adaptation yeah right it's like part of me goes that would be so dumb and then another part of me suddenly just now went actually <laughs> <laughs> but all right well um i i definitely will try to do it in fact uh depending on i just got evil within but depending on how quick i get through that there's still some time in uh in October to try to knock that out. So maybe I will. So yeah, it's only like halfway through. <laughs> well, is, how long is it? Is it a long game particularly? Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't finished it myself yet, but oh, okay. I would, I'd say, um, I mean, it's probably safe bet to say it's probably top of the eight hour mark. Okay. Yeah. Before. Yeah. That's just a long weekend. That's a sweet mm. spot. Yeah. Eight hours is good. Yeah. But that's a, you know, I think there are some, I've, there are some areas that you may need a guy to sort of figure out where to progress. Maybe not. It depends. It's, uh, it's that, it's one of those sort of games that, that it's not, in, it's not ridiculously difficult, kind of like, um, um, they're like, I have no bad mouth, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's, but it's not like, um, ridiculously easy like Phantasmagoria is either. So, right, right. Um, mm. no, it's cool. I'll, I'll balance it out. Oh, now that I know that, I'll pull up the, uh, the guide on the phone and then just uh you know just just shut the phone down until i need it but uh yeah i'll give it a try i'll definitely stream it for a retro game night or something Mm. just uh just to give it a start because i'm sure there's gonna be some fun side commentary once i've had a couple um so (laughs) there's there's some fantastic one-liners in this this (laughs) 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 i'm all about again i i literally like got down to starting up the game and then when i realized that uh, i couldn't stream which meant i on my capture software that streams i just hadn't clicked the box that says just show what the desktop shows which is what you do for these dos box games had mm-hmm. i known that i had that option i would have been fine but i didn't at the time mm. i'm not super tech savvy but i'm good enough so um all right well then what's your real choice <laughs> <laughs> oh well the other joke was oh, yeah, ripper. Ripper, ripper ripper which was um this is a 1996 release and this one came on six cd roms of course because it's fmv and i don't <laughs> know this game at all really <laughs> i'm really surprised you've missed this one fred <laughs> so, because it's it, cast. i know it's, it, it, this the biggest fantasy point of this game is that it's got a crazy it's got a big cast to it, really. So it's got Christopher Walken's in it, uh, oh, yeah. Karen Allen, Burgess Meredith, and John Reese davis are in this game. Wow. Uh, which is probably why they never got a sequel for this, because the amount of money they must have spent just <laughs> just on the mm-hmm. cast alone was probably what... And, and there was, and believe it or not, Fred, there was a Sega Saturn and a PS1 game in the world. Of works. course there <laughs> of was. Course, of sorry. course there was. It was like all of a sudden, like everyone shelled all this money into making point-and-click adventure games on consoles, and then one morning everyone woke up and was like, "The fuck are we thinking?" And like they just canceled <laughs> all of them. <laughs> the bottom fell out. Yeah, it was like suddenly everyone woke up in 1996 and realized that this genre is probably not going to do very well on consoles. Uh, did, but. did you play this, Cole? No, no, but I'm I, I am uh, delighted to see that it has both Paul Giamatti and Jimmy Walker in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, try try and split those up uprights. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
This is fantastic. Oh my god, and it's FMV and it's, it's cyberpunk. F- like it's how F- don't I, I say, know about this game? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought you would have t- it's definitely up your alley. Cyberpunk and FMV. Um the it's a bit different from Phantasmagoria in the sense that it's um first person it's more like seventh guest, this one. Mm-hmm. Where it, mm-hmm. you you play the game in first person well, at least when you're doing the the main sections, you're in first person view, you do have a cursor and the cursor will it's like a knife. So it'll point <laughs> if you if you go if if you're going like if you want to move somewhere, the knife will point towards that direction where you're able to move. Mm-hmm. Um and then it'll do this ridiculously slow, unskippable cutscene, like melding into the area that you're going into. It's, it, that's the point about the most tedious part about this game is it is very slow in the movement parts. And, um, a bit like Harvester, and um, this game does try to put action bits into it as well. There's this section in the game where you, you, you kind of like playing, it's almost like an arcade on rails, kind of similar to Sewer Shark. Where you're kind of yeah. shoots, you're, oh man, you're speaking my language here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely saying it's fair. Unfortunately, it's not on GOG at the moment. Well, so um, those it might who, never be. well, and and my my opinion, uh, much like you guys, um, you know, is well documented on on piracy. But sometimes you don't have an option until one comes about. Um, <laughs> While it is at at its core piracy, um, there is a, a, a site called old-games.com where they kind of mm-hmm. consider stuff abandonware. And uh, they have a version. It's five gigs. Oh, <laughs> shit. So that is a big game. Uh, <laughs> they have a version that is uh, Windows 8 and 7 compatible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like that on here it says, people who downloaded The Ripper also liked Phantasmagoria, <laughs> Psychic Detective, The Dame Was Loaded, and Night Trap. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. The call is coming from inside the podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I'm going to give this a go. I, I got to be honest <laughs> with you. I'm a little more intrigued to play this than Harvester, but maybe <laughs> well, I got to make first. it a two-for <laughs> weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just tell my wife to take the baby and leave the house for the weekend because <laughs> what's the point? Honey, uh, I've, I've got a date with Christopher Walken and Burgess married. <laughs> actually, she might let it go if that's the case because yeah. my uh, man crush on Christopher Walken is uh, is well known by my wife. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you'll uh, love his acting in this as well <laughs> oh fantastic um i have no idea how uh, again this is one of the many games where it's like how the hell did you miss this but i i very <laughs> much did um and it's got uh, a blue Vaughan, oyster cult song in it yeah i wants me to mention them so yeah they blue Oyster cult is um the, they, that's the main song that plays in the opening credits and it's actually used in the game for the final puzzle so Ooh. you need to, but it, i'm sure you guys played this to death on um um guitar hero so you must know how this song goes by yeah. now maybe once or twice <laughs> the, the puzzle is how many how many thousand people die every day? <laughs> yeah, right. Is <laughs> it just references to the... Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's either you know the lyric or you don't. Yeah. Or is the is the ending like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, where you just literally have to just uh, tell the Reaper he's not real and turn away, <laughs> and disappears into oblivion. Well, it's worth mentioning actually on the ending. Definitely worth mentioning for this game is the um, and this might appeal to you too, Fred. Is that the game has um, it randomly generates um, the villain or basically because the game is about it's the Ripper. It's called Ripper. It's based on a villain called the Ripper, but you don't know who the identity of it is until the end of the game. And the game itself randomly generates out of four main characters in the game who that is. So mm-hmm. every time you play the game, it's different. The only problem with that is the game plays out pretty much exactly the same until the like, basically the last puzzle, the last area, basically. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a cool concept that it's a randomly generated video, but most people are not going to replay really this game four times 
with the possibility that there's four different endings because it is random. So you might get yeah. a, the same villain each time. So it's if, a good idea, but kind of flawed. But If you want to see that pulled off really well, um, check out the Blade Runner PC game. Yeah, yes, that's that, that's, that's worth, definitely worth mentioning, actually. Lots yeah. about this as well. And I know you guys did an episode, and I'll be honest with you, Cole, I, I, I've not played it, and I wanted to play mm-hmm. it before uh, listening to yeah. uh, that episode. Uh, yeah, you really, you really ought to. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested, uh, since I'm not going to put it on the main site, but you guys, I kind of gave you chatters and you listeners uh, an opportunity. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where you can get your hands on it uh, if you guys are mm-hmm. interested. Uh, it's oldgames.com, so... Um, but until they make it available again, once it's on GOG, I'll, I'll throw them a couple bucks, uh, especially take two. Like there's almost no reason they shouldn't Mm. be able to do it. My only guess is that it's possible with blue oyster cults. Don't fear the reaper being pivotal to the game that they probably have to repay licensing and that'll get your shit killed real fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but I am. I am absolutely uh, – this is why I did this episode, just so I could find out about this game that apparently a couple of our listeners have been telling me about for a while. So um, <laughs> it's my own fault. But uh looks awesome. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, then I guess that brings it back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew exactly which one I wanted to talk about, uh, which is going to be uh, Darkseed. Um, mm, yeah. Yes. Now, Cole, have you, do you have any familiarity with Darkseed? Yeah, I've not been able to crack it. It is really tough. So okay. I'm, I'm I'm playing ahead for uh, for for Hexcrank, and um, I just I keep on bouncing off of it because of uh, because of how like inscrutable it is. I guess it be the, would be the proper word. Uh, that would be the proper word. Um, before we delve into it real quick, I want to talk about this. Uh, we are not going to get to D, although D is l- almost not a point and click adventure. It's more of a <laughs> hyper card stack than a point and click yeah. adventure. But it was dickish in that it was timed. Um, the only reason I'll bring it up real quick is because um, load times were terrible on the PlayStation. Yeah, <laughs> the 3DO, the 3DO of all consoles actually has a two times CD-ROM drive, and the load times are not bad. Um, but that's the only reason to play that one. Um, but uh, but uh, so I'm happy to announce that. But real quick, I wanted to mention Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they should be noted on a show like this, but. Um, they they were kind of the the earliest hybrid of like three D rendered environments with like FMV cutscenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the puzzles aren't too bad. They do have a UHS. Um, what I do like about this Universal Hint system is that if you go the third time, it completes the puzzle for you, but you don't get to see the cutscene that kind of fills in. Yeah. Um, the background stuff, which which to me is right there. Why I would never use that on the third try you know i would never want to do that um and uh i forget if this is the one i think this is the one where the universal hint system isn't like on the main display you actually have to go into the library and pull a book that's right that has the hints in it but it's the hint book or whatever um but it's an interesting game uh seventh guest especially because there were a couple of like jump scares or well they probably don't they're not effective nowadays but i remember some of the apparitions having some jump scares that were pretty good uh, at the yeah. time um but it was more eerie than anything else it's spooky mist yeah exactly um although the reversey puzzle at least for me uh it's kind of like you're playing othello or reversey but you've got like chess pieces mm-hmm. and that puzzle kicked my ass when i was a kid um and it, it comes back in the sequel, which is 11th Hour. <laughs> uh, and I remember hating that, too. Um, but both games are pretty cool. 
Um, again, they're both on GOG and Steam now. Uh, they're pre-patched with DOSBox, but you know that was all the work of GOG. Um, yeah. But they're they're cool in their own right. Um, but uh, again, there's there's not much there's not much they did that was, I guess, all that innovative. It, it kind of like Cole said, it's spooky mist. <laughs> Uh, in every way, shape, and form. So, um, but I, I did think it was worth noting. Um, we're also not going to get to Gabriel Knight. However, mm-hmm. uh, if you know Cole, and I'll I'll let you plug it at the end of the show. But if you know Cole's mm-hmm. show, watch out for Fireballs. They have actually covered the original Sins of the Father and uh, the Beast Within, uh, which was the yeah. sequel, uh, very thoroughly and uh, yeah. quite amusingly. I should add, <laughs> <laughs> both of them are are, uh, are are very good in their own right. Yes, yes, and uh, and again, uh, you two are an amusing. Well, actually, you three are for the beast within, but you guys are an yeah. amusing lot. Uh, oh, thank you. When talking about that particular Cramble Kabasal Leva. Yes, yes. So, um, and there's a, there's a couple more on here that that we didn't get to, which um, you know, I'll just stop naming off random stuff so we can actually get to Darkseed. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, there's there's more on this topic. Uh, so mm-hmm. feel free to write in, guys, if you're interested. But um, all right, so Darkseed was 92, so it's a little earlier. Um, and, of course, it's it's most notable because H.R. Geiger, Geiger, depending on how you pronounce it, um, <laughs> of Alien fame, uh, does all of the artwork of the quote-unquote Dark World. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I put that it's a very Lovecraft-esque story. The reason I look at it that way, and again, you know, Cole, you you guys dealing more with Lovecraft on a on a stronger level than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I looked at it that way was because of the dichotomy of the quote unquote normal world and the dark world that are like these two parallel universes. Yeah, it's a like it very much is like a little bit like the dream cycle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in so, insofar as it is kind of the reality that lies below our own kind of thing. Right, right, and uh, and I should point out it's it's pretty cool and creepy. Um, uh, especially the intro. The intro scene is kind of uh, you're having this nightmare, uh, and then uh, I've always wanted to refer to it as this, and now I have my venue. You basically get skull fucked at the end, and it's a very yep. jarring way to wake up. Yeah, it, uh, 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 an alien machine opens up your forehead, vagina. Yeah, and it's uh, it's 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 visceral, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, uh, and so the game is, is very cool at first glance. Like, I was very eager to try this game out. And actually, I've played it on the Saturn, Cole. I have the... Uh, wow. Yeah, I have the <laughs> Japanese Saturn version, which does have all English. Good. Um, yes. And then I went back and, and toyed with it, um, because I think this is another one of those. DOS box is really the only good way you can play this game. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's not too hard to do if you're well-versed in, in DOS box at all, or even just simple software stuff, uh, you mm-hmm. should be fine. Um, but what you've kind of hinted at is this is a one hour game. Yep. It'll only take you one hour to beat it. Any playthrough <laughs> videos are only an hour. Now, Cole, how long have you spent trying to beat this game? <laughs> I, I've, I've probably like, honestly, probably put in about like an hour and a half, two hours. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I've put in about 10 in my entire life. And I've never come <laughs> close to being able to beat this game. However, I haven't used any guides yet. Okay. And at this point, I probably should just give up altogether uh, on at least the first game and just watch the video. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but well, and I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. So we, we kind of talk about why this game is hard. Uh, it does a couple of things that are kind of some of the biggest gripes or annoyances of different dated point-and-click adventure games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so uh, do you want to discuss a couple of those? Like not specifically, but just like, you know, just the concepts that are just really uh, aggravating about the game. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like failure of context. Um, I found like in terms of um, like what you can and cannot interact with and how it kind of obliquely hints about that. So just there are situations where it kind of puts you like in relatively you know mundane things, especially around your house. And you have no idea like what you actually can and can't like make progress through. Um, and because, you know, the clock is ticking every single time, like the closest thing I would like it liken it to actually is the uh, hitchhiker uh, uh, oh, hitchhiker's yeah. guide to the galaxy uh text text <laughs> adventure, text adventure. Mm-hmm. yeah like it is it is a similarly baffling ordeal uh yeah yeah only i think these guys uh i'm trying to remember the the developer um blah, 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 cyber dreams these guys think they're being clever <laughs> i think <laughs> hitchhiker from my understanding was they kind of put in some stuff that was purposefully dickish um to kind of be funny but uh yeah but yeah, the the time sensitivity and the fact that you can miss important contexts that will cause a it's not even a fail state, it's like a a, a stuck state. Yep. <laughs> it's King's Quest 2 all over again. <laughs> um but you can get stuck very easily in this game and and apparently the game wants you to realize that you've gotten stuck and quit and start over again. Yeah. And that's on you. Uh, <laughs> But uh, one of the earliest ways of, of how dickish this game is is uh, some of the activities you have to do – it's a three-day cycle. Some of the activities you have to do in day one, you learn what you have to do by uh, in day two. Yep. So you learn in day two, oh, you should have done that. You're not going to be able to complete the game because of this. Um, so you might as well quit now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can see that being hard to, uh, to deal with. Um, yeah. uh, again – um, you you kind of talked about in the in the Mac Venture stuff, Cole, uh, with like Deja Vu that there's a lot of chaff. Uh, on the flip side, this game has you reusing items and no indication that you will need to reuse them. Yep. As far as I recall, I put it in the notes, but you tell me that's kind of an adventure game no no, right? A little bit, yeah. Like I mean, uh, unless you're heavily hinted at it, you're supposed to assume anything you've used is used. Yeah, usually um, it will be presented as an especially durable good, or it will be changed in mm-hmm. some way through having used it the first time, so right. it becomes like a second item. Like, that is kind of the established vocabulary. Right, right. And then there are arbitrary connections, like stuff you would never imagine. Um, and a good example of this is you start your car in the garage to power up, uh, in the normal world, to power up the alien vessel in, uh, and I think this is in day three, but it might be in day two, mm-hmm. in... Uh, in the dark world and you're like why the fuck would you ever have (laughs) uh they explain like almost nothing uh for some of this stuff um i also thought it was funny where what is it in day one you go into the dark world and retrieve a normal shovel (laughs) yep (laughs) and you're like what um so there's a lot of stuff like that there's a there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with and um you get to a certain point and and again uh Cole, the reason I'm getting up on eight or ten hours and still haven't done much with it is because you pull out your old notes, but like you play it once a year, mm-hmm. and you get you. It takes you thirty minutes to be like, "Oh yeah, I remember. Fuck this," um, you know, <laughs> and and then you kind of go back. But for what it wants to do, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's it's very effective horror. I mean, when you get yeah. somebody like Giger behind the art, it's like, well, that's that's obviously a win, and I feel like they use them to to, to really good effect here. Yes, I would agree. And, you know, it's it's very ominous. Like, the dark world is 
not in any way the same, although the art is similar. But like imagine like a, a normal able to breathe the oxygen version of kind of what begins and assume Prometheus doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of begins in alien. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that eeriness, but it's, it, it is its own thing. Um, but mm-hmm. all of his stuff looks oddly similar while also being oddly dissimilar. And of course, you know, from the skull fucking scene and moving forward, you know, his fear of vagina is, is well, <laughs> is well dis- on display in this game. Well documented. Um, yeah. 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 Um, apparently there's a weird Chinese port that's somewhat faithful. Um, yeah. and they're currently working on an English translation. So that'll be interesting, <laughs> but you can go look up some screenshots. Uh, I found most documentation about this at hardcore gaming one one. Um, and there is an urban legend that the lead designer uh, at Cyber Dreams, Mike Dawson, had a mental breakdown after completing the game. Actually, oh. what ended up happening is he went wow. into relative obscurity as a ghostwriter for Family Matters. <laughs> he, he wrote some programming textbooks, and now he teaches game design at Stanford and UCLA. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so it's it's the Mikey likes it all over again. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, Cyber Dreams also developed I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and there are some very, uh, you know, there's some some somewhat similarities to uh, kind of the context and, and the concepts in there, although the games are really nothing alike in, in terms of gameplay, as far as I can tell. Right. Um, then in 95, they released Dark Seed 2. Now, Cole, have you played this one? No, but I know it by its reputation as being not as good as Dark Seed 1. You know, it's weird because uh, most of what I've heard from rando people now again i haven't done much research is that it's better than dark seed one and so far from what i've played i like it um i recently found out kind of the best way you can run this game uh because it's really hard to run and it the dos version's really hard to find and not very good um Mm -hmm. is you got to run dos box and install windows 3.1 into it Ooh. Yeah, and then you run the Windows ISO, but then you have to go hunt down all the original Sound Blaster drivers and video drivers and codecs <laughs> and stuff like that. But once you go on what is essentially the Google scavenger hunt of a lifetime, mm-hmm. you are rewarded by a 640 by 480 version of this game that mm. runs well. Um it has this Twin Peak nature because uh, your character in the first game, we didn't talk about it, Michael, is like an ad exec who buys a spooky mansion that just happens to have a gateway into another world. Oh, yeah. um, stop me if you've heard this one. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and so in the sequel, it is it does go full FMV, which uh, Dark Seed 1 was kind of like it, although I think it was just a, a, a rendered sprite of a, of a screen capture, like Mortal Kombat style almost. Yeah. Um, but uh, it takes some cues from Twin Peaks. It's this weird, creepy town, but he ends up moving back in with his parents mm. um and of course the age old people start getting picked off in his life like his he, he rekindles with his high school girlfriend and then she's found headless uh the next morning um, oh no yeah <laughs> as people kind of kind of looking for him in it and i cool i don't know how far uh you've ever gotten in uh dark seed one but uh the police are basically outside your door ready to uh to go after you pretty heavily by the third yep. day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, so, and uh, so in the end, Michael ends up going back to the dark world, um, because of these killings and finds out that, uh, the ancients, the, the kind of characters from, from, uh, from the dark world are trying to summon the behemoth, which is a life sucking monster that will, is intending to consume the normal world. Yeah. Um, the reason I say it's much better than the original is only because people say it's it's a very more linear path. They've right. gotten rid of the time constraints and they've gotten rid of the loop fail or the 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 stuck states. 
Right. So you will complete it. Um, the yeah. uh, the problem is is that the ending's batshit insane. Um, and <laughs> it's, like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an unreliable protagonist. So it kind of is up to you as to whether or not you will excuse unreliable protagonists. Yeah. Um, so that can go either way. But hmm. uh, uh, the Giger uh, work is pretty awesome, though. Cool. Um, there, the, yeah. If you look up some screens from it, there's this one scene that that's just like got this menacing, like female Medusa like face out of a structure, and it's very cool uh, as he enters the dark world for the first time in the second game. So, anyway, yeah. didn't so, Giga want the sequel or something? He would. That would not shock me, although I I, <laughs> I didn't know that myself. Uh, there is a Saturn port of it. I did pick it up. I bought them both together, um, and unfortunately, the Saturn port is in complete Japanese with um, Japanese voiceover. So Dope. that's not going to work for me. Otherwise, that would have been my preferred method to play this game because <laughs> uh, it runs just fine on my Saturn. Put the disc in, and it runs. Uh, <laughs> what, what What is more effort, installing Windows 3.1 in DOSBox or learning Japanese? You know what? I'm almost <laughs> with you on the learning Japanese, but uh, again, when I get into those projects of I'm going to make this fucker work, uh, I, I had to make it happen, and uh, I did yeah. successfully pull it off, and then, of course, you're so w- wiped out from trying to get it to run that you don't play the game, um, but uh, anyway. Hmm. All right, well, we're probably getting the wrap from VGO, and uh, we are up with our time slot, but I wanted to take this moment to thank you uh, cordially, Cole. Yeah, um, absolutely for, for joining us on on a very appropriate show yeah um, and uh and so where can people find you well uh all of my work ends up at duckfeed.tv um you can find uh, we've referenced watch out for fireballs uh that is on there as well as uh hex crank which i propose to this show is a blog that i do not update enough that is a watch out for fireballs like uh ex- examination of horror games um in text Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, a couple of the games we've talked about on here are examined in depth there. Excellent. Um, I also want to point out, I actually knew you first from, uh, uh, those damn Ross kids, um, oh, yeah. which is, which it was a, was a great show. And then, uh, on a random retro search, I came up with watch out for fireballs and it took me probably four episodes to realize that they were both coming from the same website because I was going through podcast feeds, but, oh uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that was, that was a very good show. Uh, for the oh, record, it's, it's it's still going. Oh, so it, well, because I mean, I keep downloading them, but I'm in nowhere caught up. Oh, so yeah. I'm glad you guys keep it going. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cole and his brother do it, and it's 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 a fantastic show. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you can find me and Jam Elias GamingHistory101.com throughout most of the week. Uh, Jam, I noticed a review that I was promised never popped up <laughs> into the site. Um, You'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> okay, fantastic. No, I've been no away. pressure, no That's pressure. Why. It's fine. Take your time. Um, but uh, we, re- we, we often do reviews, uh, videos, things like that. My wife turned 30 this weekend, so uh, I didn't think in a drunken home from the bar state with a daughter who was going to wake up in four hours I should do retro game night, so I opted <laughs> out. Um, but normally I do a retro game night video uh, every Friday and stuff like that. So you can find us there, and at Twitter, we are at Spiders Venom, at Jam Elias, and uh, Cole, would you like to share your Twitter or not? Yeah, sure. It is at Cole Ross, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. All right, fantastic. Well, until next week where, uh, let's see, what's next week? 
Oh, unscary <laughs> horror games is what we're talking about <laughs> next week. So fun horror games. So, yeah. um, yeah, prepare your haunting. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we will reconvene for that. Uh, Cole, I want to thank you yet again. Uh, be sure to check out, uh, his stuff at duckfeed.tv. And, uh, until next week, this is Fred saying peace out.